I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, listeners. We are back with another great episode. Uh, We are doing 1993's The Nightmare Before Christmas, and we have a very special guest with us today. Yes, and when Tara asked how we knew each other, it was I was like, it's my high school friend. Well, we didn't go to the same high school. Well, we knew some friends together. I... I can tell you exactly when we met, and it was meeting a mutual friend, Justin, but Justin's not here today, so let's not talk about him anymore. It's our (laughs) friend, Becky. Becky is a uh, high school drama teacher, uh, and she is here to talk to us about Nightmare Before Christmas. Say hello. Hello, hello. It's It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we're real excited. So we asked you, we uh, were talking about which episodes you want to do, and you picked The Nightmare Before Christmas. Why did you pick this one? Um, I guess the short answer would be that I'm a weirdo and I like weird animation and, uh, I've always had this kind of weird fascination with darkness and, and the scary things. And this movie came, when it came out, it came out a time where I kind of felt like I was not the same as everybody else. I mean, obviously I'm not, um, no one is, (laughs) but you know, when you're in that peer group of like, you know, the tweens coming into middle school and you're, you're starting to kind of take stock of yourself versus everybody else and I remember watching the trailer for it and going what is this what is this creepiness like I love it I love it what is literally a song in it yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) like who knew like so I I vibed with this and I would talk to my friends be like did you see Nightmare Before Christmas and they're like we don't know what you're on oh man (laughs) like okay so it's always been that movie that like you know I watch it every year um both Christmas and Halloween I will fight you in the street if somebody just tells me it's a it's a Christmas movie. It's all things. <laughs> we'll fight you in the street Ninja Turtle style. So, uh, yeah. So this 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 movie kind of really snapped into um, my musical theater loving self. Uh, this creepy aesthetic that I that I like to secretly have, and just the very different uh, animation than what we than what was coming out of Disney at the time. We all knew like yes. Yeah, okay, Don Bluth films were great, but Disney, we know, Disney was king, and, and they would drop a movie, and everybody would rush to go see it. So when this hit, I was like, this is this is going to be nuts. Wow. And I was right. It is wow. <laughs> well, it's, it's their first uh, stop-motion animated Disney picture. Yes, and it's also... Um their their second PG rated film. So yes. Yes. Black Cauldron was first. Which, and then this. And then the next one that is PG is Tangled, which Ryan and I have not seen and are saving until we get to it on the what? podcast. I yeah. know. That's what everybody says. We just like never saw it. And then we started doing the podcast and we're like, well now we should just not see it and just see it for the podcast. So but everybody has that reaction. So I'm really looking forward to it when we get to it. Well the Black Cauldron, as much as I again, as much as I love creepiness and 
darkness and things like that. The black cauldron, my mom had to carry me out of the theater crying. Like, I, and I still. Oh, no. You saw it in yeah. theaters? Wow. Yeah. Well, be, well, because growing up in, in Aurora, I grew up in Colorado. So growing up in Aurora, they had at the Buckingham Mall, they, you could go see, they had a slew of Disney movies for like a dollar. And so my mom was like, this will keep her quiet for an hour and a half. Well, let's go see <laughs> that. Yeah, so we we went to go see The Black Cauldron, and I did not have a very positive vibe with that. That was awful. And I wouldn't touch that movie again until I was like, I don't know, 25. And even then, I was like, uh, trauma, trauma memories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, Although I'm not sure why Tangled would be PG. I would think Hunchback would be PG, PG for sure. I think... And we'll probably go into this on, on Tangled, but I think there was a shift in what was considered PG rather than that could be Tangled true. being yeah. so different. Because I think most Disney, a lot of Disney movies are PG now. Like, all the Pixars are PG. They mm. seem G to us, but, like, now G is so scrubbed of any, like, drama or or conflict or anything. Like, yeah. G, is, G is very, like, you go in and, like, anthropomorphic lollipops dance for 70 minutes when you go home like it's it's there's nothing there and we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it one fart equals one pg rating <laughs> exact well yeah. yeah and kids love farts now um so i mean they, i mean the I, trolls I movie farts. right that troll farts glitter doesn't do you know it? about that yes. troll, the troll movies the, but do you know about the universal like walk, walk around, around character, character. No, like There's I mean, I, I've seen around. the I've seen the troll thing, and I knew that there was a glitter troll that walked around. But does he do something cool? It farts glitter. <gasps> Shut up! It's like a little like, pfft. and like it must have been on another podcast. Was it to podcast ride where like they had the guy on who invented it, and he talks about oh, like wasn't it Carly? My name Carly's podcast. Yes, it was, yeah, uh, Carly Weisel. What's it called? Amusing. That's amusing. Yes. And it's all about. She had the guy on who invented it. It's all about how like. You get glitter to drop down a tube, but not get clogged, so that when the air comes through, it does the whole thing. This is not what we're talking about today. No, this but now a, I kind of want send this. You this. I will send you this episode. I'll we'll post a video. Well, now I want Jack Skellington to fart glitter, like, but like black <laughs> glitter with like I don't know, like little spikes Orange and, and cats and things. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's get crazy with it. Um, this, you were talking about how this movie, like you felt kind of different from everyone else. And this movie was such like, uh, you know, appealing to you because of that. Everything I've seen for it, it's like the people making it were thinking the exact same thing. Like that's what they were going for with this was, and that's, that's the story of this is there's Jack is, feels like they're kind of the misfits and they go and try to do something else and it doesn't really work. I know most of it is like jack feels stuck in what he's doing but i also think this whole town is like so misfitty but they all belong together well yeah, yeah. they belong together but they still want their own place because if you look mm -hmm. at sally's story you know she's not i mean she's got there's a lot going sally for the only one with any sense in halloween town that's true yeah she's the smart one but, yes um but yeah well what's your do you have connections with it ryan I know us as a couple, yeah. we watch it every year and I, it's, you know, it's a staple in, in our like holiday viewing of films, but I remember seeing it and liking it and like, but that's not as strong a connection as now it's, I feel like what we do is we go, 
I try and convince you, well, let's hold off on watching Nightmare Before Christmas on Halloween so we can watch these other Halloween movies I want to watch. And then we get to Christmas and I push it. Like, the last few years, we've kind of missed watching it for some reason. We've watched it, but this year I don't think we did because we knew we were doing it for the podcast and we thought Mm -hmm. it was going to be a little bit closer to the holidays. But, like, I I really like it. Every time I watch it, I love Oogie Boogie so much. Like, because he's got that, like, Audrey 2 energy of, like, that real deep baritone and kind of like that jazz background. Oh, it's so, he's yeah. so good. Yeah, he's he's just straight up New Orleans jazz. Yes. That that laid back vibe, you know, of like I'm I am absolutely awful, but you're gonna enjoy me being awful. Yeah, and that's probably why you like Doctor Facilier so much too. I love Doctor like Facilier. Kind of similar. <laughs> oh my god, they're I love not Dr. the same, F- but. No, but yeah. they're so good. Oh, oh! Just wait till you get around to Princess and the Frog. I have well till we get around to Princess and the Frog because you're coming back for that episode, correct? I yes, with a fire. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Uh, so I guess if we want to kind of go into it a little bit, do you want me to read the synopsis? I mean, the synopsis is pretty straightforward. Go but for it's, it. Jack Skellington, king of Halloween Town, discovers Christmas Town, but his attempts to bring Christmas to his home causes confusion. 1993 top three movies that year were Jurassic Park, Mrs. Doubtfire, and The Fugitive. So this is a real good good year. year. That's another year for me. Wow! Yeah, I love all those movies. Uh, It got a 95 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And um, talking about Jurassic Park, I'll mention this now. Uh, It was nominated for one Oscar. It was nominated for Best Effects for Visual Effects, but Jurassic Park won. Yes. So, but it was nominated for one Oscar. Are you kidding Uh, me? Are you yeah. kidding me? Jurassic Park with the dinosaur who falls over in a shot and you see a human hand reach over and pick it back up. Yes. I'm so glad you know about that because I knew about that. We went to go see it in theaters. I'm like, watch, there's a hand right I there. I know. It's he like, ruined whoop, it for whoop. me. It's, it's all I can see. But Versus Oogie Boogie? Come on. Yeah. I think it was possibly because it was like the first time. This was, I mean, I think we can literally say Jurassic Park was like a real milestone in cg graphics which were new at the time you know we we talked in our tron episode how tron was uh was almost told you can't get a special effects uh uh, nomination because computers are cheating oh yeah yeah so they came they've come a long way since then for sure yeah uh so this originally it was inspired it was originally a poem by tim burton he wrote it in 1982 while working as an animator at walt disney productions and supposedly he said he was inspired um by the to write the poem because he saw all the halloween merchandise and decorations being taken down and replaced by christmas Wow! so that's kind of what sparked him to write this poem um production started for this in 1991 and disney initially released it with touchstone pictures because they thought it would be too dark and scary for kids. They eventually then released it under the Disney productions mm. title, but they started with touchstone because they weren't sure um, because of kind of the, the theme and the content. And then I think they saw that that wasn't the case that a lot of people did enjoy it. Did you see any information that they actually pitched it to Disney back in the early eighties? When he was working with uh, yes, but Fox I didn't. Now. I thought you might have that information, so, so I didn't write that down. So they pitched it as a thirty-minute short because what he wanted to do was to make 
basically uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. You want to make one of those Rankin and Bass. Mm, yeah. Uh, one of those like claymation uh, films. Yeah. yeah. And he, But he wanted to do a Halloween version one where they did this. So he pitched it as that, but Disney was like, no, thank you. So then he leaves Disney and he becomes Tim Burton. Yeah. He basically is like, you know, he does Pee-wee's Big Adventure uh, Beetlejuice and those sorts of things, and they're like, and he, they're immediately like, well, what can we do with you? And he comes back, he's like, well, remember that thing? I, they talk in the documentary I saw. They're like, nothing dies in Hollywood. Like, you give an idea, it'll come back to, yeah. you know, ten years later. But the very first uh, Jack sculpture they ever made was in 1982. Oh, like he cool. made wow. like a like a sculpture, and that's what they presented to Disney. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. So I watched the. Nightmare Before Christmas episode of Prop Culture, which is a show we've talked about on this on this, ep- this podcast before. If you haven't heard about it, it's it's a very cool show where it's just this guy goes around and like brings props to like people who worked on certain Disney movies. They do uh, and he discovers Roger like Rabbit. where where they are. Are yeah. they being stored on like the back lot? You know, sometimes they're from an auction, and it's kind of a cool deep dive. And so they. Uh, brought there it's a really good episode check it out you'll find out a a lot of our information comes from that but that's a a lot of fun uh but yeah so that's why if you watch beetlejuice um there's a part where he comes out he comes out of they they're bringing him in to help the maitlands and he comes out of the like the town model and he's like he's got like the black and white yeah on top of the carousel is jack skellington's Mm -hmm. head oh my gosh okay so So, i saw that and i thought Obviously, years later when I'm watching Nightmare again, I was like, huh, I wonder if this has always been the Tim Burton move, like the Tim Burton skeleton, so to speak. And then I'm trying mm-hmm. to think, then I'm trying to remember like the live action version of uh, Frank and Weenie and then the animated version of Frankie. And I'm like, well, uh, uh, this is uh, uh, trying to do my research nope. mentally, but that's that's a cool thing. That's legitimately Jack because they yeah. had made him for this special. No, this, but this is cool information because I did not know any of this. I just figured Tim Burton is doing Tim Burton is doing is doing Tim Burton, right? Like he's got that same like art house art, you yeah. know. He's the he's yeah. the quote unquote creepy kid who sat in the back of the classroom and doodled and like etched into the desk like skeletons, and you're like, oh, that guy, right? Well, he was, <laughs> and we talk a little bit in the Fox and the Hound about how he wanted, like he they asked him to do the 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 lady fox and he was like yes. he's like this is too hard for me because she was like very soft and disney looking and he's like <laughs> Ugh. um but one thing i did want to bring up since we're talking about tim Burton's style uh he like there's a lot of german expressionism in this movie and it's yes you know a lot of the things you see of the black and white and the weird like angles, angles and, and shapes and it's it's interesting thinking about that because i always used to like a movie called the cabinet of dr caligari and I never put together like that looks like a Tim Burton movie. And for some reason, listening to this stuff here, I went and, like it clicked in my head. Yeah, I you know, so I looked at I watched that in grad school, Captain Doctor. Yeah. And uh, I remember thinking like, oh, that's yeah. right. Oh, like we. Okay, okay. So, yeah, he is that creepy art house kid. But also. Well, because the zombie or whatever, and that the guy who's the somnambulist who like walks around in his sleep or whatever. Yes, he looks like uh, Edward Scissorhands. Yes, like, yes, almost exactly. But that's one of the things they tried to bring to the look of this. They also looked at a lot of Edward Gorey paint uh, illustrations. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was really interesting, if you look at the stuff when you're watching this, you're gonna see they they do they take these like forks on the clay or something, and they try and mm-hmm. make like cross hatched looks to it so it has texture they almost like score it like you would if you're firing in a kiln because partly they wanted it to look like tim's drawings yeah 
And partly they wanted it to like have a texture so you wouldn't go, oh, that looks animated. You'd go, mm. you'd go, that's a thing in the world. There. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I have a number here and I try to get this number right because uh, <laughs> I know sometimes my numbers, I, I get switched around. But I read that since its initial release, it has grossed over $91.5 million. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's like over time. I feel like that even seems low. And that might be be low. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, from the fact I read, I don't know when that fact came out. And obviously, it has become a cult following. I mean, we've kind of all talked about that Mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. the start here, um, that we all, you know, traditionally watch it, you know, at least once a year or more. And there are so many people that have kind of fallen into this as far as fandom. Uh, The other thing I found interesting, in 2001, while Disney wanted to do a sequel with computer animation. Ew. But Tim Burton talked them out of it. Yeah. He was very protective of the story, and I'm glad he was, but he didn't feel like them going to Thanksgiving world, you know, because all those doors. You could <laughs> potentially have... What's the next what, world? Yeah. What do well, you, you have could a potentially Thanksgiving have... world? Here's some turkey and some, like, exploitation yeah, yeah. and genocide? Like, what? No. Exactly, yeah. So, potentially, like, if Disney had had their way, right, you could have done a Thanksgiving world or a St. Patrick's, because we see all those doors. Uh. We see the egg well we see the easter bunny briefly in the film right. but right oh, um but tim burton you know he talked them out of it because he wanted to maintain kind of the the purity that the story had he felt mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. such a good story and i'm glad that that happened because i i think that that would not have gone well um also doing it with computer animation i think i think it, the whole thing would have been weird uh, Danny Elfman, um, who we know, you know, those of us out there who are Tim Burton fans, they work together a lot. Uh, but he felt writing 10 songs for this film was easy because he had a lot in common with Jack Skellington. Yes. So oh, he felt wow. he identified with him a lot. There's a re- So at this time, he is in a band called Oingo Boingo. And oh, he- I've got yes. a fun fact about one of the lyrics from... Well, well- but you go ahead first. So Oingo Boingo started off as like an art project called the the Sacred Knights of Oingo Boingo. And they did weird like installations with music, but also like video and stuff. And then they eventually just became the, you know, Oingo Boingo group, that Oingo we Boingo. know. And then around that time, um, Danny Elfman was kind of trying to get out of Oingo Boingo. And I think they eventually uh, broke up in 1995 after they used to do big, huge Halloween concerts. And so you can get, there's a CD that's like their last Halloween concert. Apparently it was the fifth day of that concert. Like they did a a concert every night for five days. And part of it was he was losing hearing. He was having hearing issues. So he was part of why he left because I think the concerts were really exacerbating Mm. that. But he felt when he was writing this, which it's also interesting because Tim Burton would come to him with like a few pages of the idea of the script and Danny go, I'll write that. And he'd write it. And then write a song, and then he goes like, "Okay, now what are they doing?" And he'd say, "Like now they do this." Okay, I'll write that song. So the song is kind of written outside of the story or the actual screenplay because when he got the screenplay, apparently Danny Elfman said, "Oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be at all." Interesting. <laughs> wow. But, yeah. So he was trying to get out of Oingo Boingo, and that was some of the stuff that went into these songs of like, "I'm expected to be this rock star. This is what I am." He's like, "But I want to be something else. I want to try something else." Yeah. Right. So, well, I have a couple other fun things um, as far as Danny Elfman goes. One is the street band that has the small man inside the base. Mm-hmm. Like how we see him inside the base. That's based on Danny Elfman. 
so that the, I guess it's Danny supposed, Elfman's inside. Yeah. <laughs> I think like that character is based off of him. So, supposedly from what I read. So I'm kind of interested to actually look at that guy and like think of what Danny Elfman looks like. There's but. a scene where the vampires are playing hockey with oh, a pumpkin. I ha- yeah. It was originally Tim Burton's head. So it was supposed to be, but the producers, <laughs> yeah, the producers didn't feel that Tim Burton would like it. And the director really regrets not asking Tim Burton if they could have done it. Oh, that's what I read. They did? Oh, it's on Disney Plus. You can see the quick version of it with Tim Burton's head. That's interesting. So I feel like Tim Burton would have loved that. I feel like Tim Burton would have been like, yes, do it. (laughs) Well, and that's what the director said. The director really felt it would have been in that spirit and Tim Burton would have really liked it. I have something else that I want to talk about with the director and Tim Burton, but to circle back to um, Danny Elfman Elfman just quickly – uh, the lyrics in This Is Halloween, the tender lumplings everywhere, whatever that is. I don't think I sang it right. So I think um, you nailed it. But he refers to tender lumplings. It's a song by Oingo Boingo. So that's like a direct oh, really? correlation there. So I thought that that was kind of fun. And then the other thing I read is apparently Burton and Elfman had creative differences during filming of this. And I I didn't read what they were, but that's why when Burton was working on Ed Wood, he doesn't go with Elfman. He goes with Howard Shore. So, I mean, obviously we know they work it out because they work on a lot of other stuff together. But that's yeah. I always wondered why with Ed Wood, I was like, "This, this music is different. Did he get any, did he get Danny Elfman again? What's that about? You know, like that he was so absent, but this answers that 10 year question I had in my brain. (laughs) yeah well and then going back to the director there was controversy there as well so um they talked about like who has rights to call the story and film their own obviously the story and most of the characters is tim burton but the reason why there's a controversy is because the director spent more time on the set than tim burton tim burton in the two years that they were filming he was there maybe five times so oh my eight to ten days total He wrote the original poem, of course, most of the script, created the characters, served as the producer, and Tim Burton wanted to direct it, but he was too busy. So at this time, he was doing Batman Returns, Mm -hmm. and he was in pre-production for Ed Wood. So that's where, like, he was being pulled in lots of different directions. So Burton always tries to share that, I think it's Henry Selleck is the director. Yeah. So he always tries to remind people that it was directed by Henry Selleck because everybody knows it as Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So he tries to do that, but there was a lot of back and forth with controversy um, over like who gets more credit. I mean, the story is his for sure, but he wasn't really there when they were actually filming. So I just found that kind of interesting because I just assumed he was on the set. You know, um, and he was being pulled in a lot of different directions at the time. So. I think that's interesting because from a from a theatrical point of view, right? Like we are always taught in theater that we are in service of the playwright. Like at the end of the day, that play is your Bible and you don't deviate from it. You don't cut it. Even as a director, you don't make any of those uh, creative choices to cut or move or splice. And we know that that's different in, in filmmaking. Um, but I... I guess hearing that, I I would think like, man, doesn't that still apply in some way? Because this is a Burton brainchild, but even if he's unable to direct it, I mean, it still has to stay in line with that script and that poem and all of, and all of those characters that are created. Well, I think so much of it is kind of visual and the scenes are kind of 
like it depends on how much input Burton had into the actual because what they do is they storyboard the heck out of this thing because yeah. they basically with a stop motion it's not like okay we'll just see what kind of happens on the day like right. you got to plan out every single frame in fact real quick on that it's it's 24 frames per second so that means you're doing 24 poses for a second so and the completed film was 110,000 frames Oof. so that means a minute of film took a week to animate. So like, yeah. that's why. So, and it yeah. took about a hundred people, like over three years is well, what I read. It was 13 animators and then it was a hundred other crew I see. who are specifically trained specific to this movie to stop motion. Yeah. And it was, it was in like, that's ridiculous to me. Well, um, so I think that kind of going back to who gets the, the, the thing. The other thing is Tim Burton didn't end up writing the story. He didn't have final pass on it. There was a woman, and I forgot her name, and I'll look it up. But there was a big thing where one of her big contributions was apparently, if you look at original things of Sally, Sally was kind of a like a like a vamp. Like she had, she was like you know, va va va. She you know, Jessica Rabbit gone dead. Yeah, a little bit Jessica Rabbit, which you can imagine like looking at some other Tim Burton creations. But like she made her much more down to earth and a little have a little less sex appeal. Then she really didn't. That was like, she's like, oh, that's my big contribution. She's like, I didn't relate to Sally at all. So I had to change her. Like, yeah. this isn't this. So then there's maybe that person has yeah. like a huge. I'll find out her. Well, I still think that I think the credit is where it should be, because like you said, it was his original. Yeah, it's, but it's an interesting when you when you look at all these different details. The other thing that I read was Oogie Boogie was intended to be Dr. Finkelstein yes. in disguise, which I actually hate. Oh, and no. So did Tim Burton. Tim Burton hated it so much that apparently he kicked a hole in the wall. Like, he was uh, like, absolutely not. So, again, that's a fact I read. I don't know if they're exaggerating on that. I but... don't doubt it. We talked a little bit about auteurs when we were talking about Howard Ashman and uh, yeah. Little Mermaid. And I feel like Tim Burton's, uh, you know, I, I he feels a very similar way. Like, he's got a style. He does it a certain way. It's why he left Disney to go do his own yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and it's and he, why he's yeah. been so successful in, in that way. The other thing, when you were talking about how folks were trained um, in this stop motion, like those hundred people were trained to mm-hmm. do different things, I read that they invented two things to facilitate filming during this process. One was called the light alarm which warned animators if any stage lights failed to come on. Because if that happened, it could potentially ruin the shot. And then the other thing that they invented was a system that enabled the puppeteer to seamlessly switch to a replacement puppet if that puppet broke during a shot. I need that in my real life. I need that in my real life. Yeah, seriously. Um, Just give me a backup. Yeah, but prior to this, a puppet breaking or a light failing, it would ruin the shot. And then you think of like how much setup they had to do to do each shot because it was stop motion. So I just found that really interesting. I've got a lot of stuff about that, about how they made the sets because the set had to be made into like breakable parts. Mm. Yeah. So they could pull a piece out and like go in and do stuff and then put it back. Yeah. They also have trap doors in them. So there's a lot of footage of like them, like popping up and doing something and going back and then taking the picture. That's neat. Um, They basically, the way the puppets worked is they were these armatures. And again, I really highly suggest everyone watches that uh i'll put up the documentary because it's on youtube but check out the prop culture video um they uh it's it's like an armature uh skeleton and they'll and it's a different one for each character and then they build the molds around them and paint them and do all that stuff and then jack's head i have a picture i'll post from the villain book that i take stuff from 
his head, every facial expression is a different head. So they'd pop so they off just take off heads. the head and put yeah. a different head on. Yeah. Now, part of the reason they did that is so they have over they have hundreds of heads numbered, and they scan them all into a computer, and they started as, they 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 associated like different vowels and, and sounds with pictures mm-hmm. and then they would type in the script and they would play the music or whatever at the same time and the computer would figure out which oh, head neat. and so it'd be like you know it'd play it and it'd just be the head sitting there there's a video of that yeah and then they'd get a printout that was like okay in order to do this scene for this shot it's number 13 for this shot it's this they also had eyelids to put in for when he blinked like they do that so they did that thing Sally also had multiple heads, but the problem was she also had her hair, so they had to do a mask instead of a different head. Oh, so it would snap on like mm. a yeah. different face, face off. There's a fa- off. take the face, face off. off. That is some time saving ability right there. And the considering I'm coming from a place of I work with puppets pretty often in theater, and um, we're working on stop motion with my students, and just oh, that's so cool oh my god it takes forever (laughs) yeah you can't just sit there and say okay i want you guys to come up with a 10 second scene because you know that's going to be about more than 10 40 yes more than more than than 10 weeks work worth of work and because these kids are not working with all of these like you know we don't have multiple camera angles and things like that so it's it's a lot of time consuming work so the fact that that they're even creating this technology to make that happen i'm Slow clap. <laughs> Slow clap. Yeah. Because... Do y'all remember Parks oh, and Rec? That's where... what I was going to reference. Yeah, when Ben. Ben Wyatt is like depressed and he makes that like 10 second and video. He feels He's like, so good I've been working until... on this for a week. Until he yeah. watches it. Yeah. It's the truth. It's the truth. I also read that um, there were three shots in the entire film that were done at normal speed. The first one was the opening, the overhead shot of the trees in the forest was done at normal speed. What do you mean at normal speed? Supposedly. Oh, they just did a sweeping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fog coming out of the fountain. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's and, stuff you can't stop motion. And then no. the bugs falling into the molten pit in Oogie, Oogie Boogie's that, lair. That makes sense. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. So those are the three that they didn't do stop motion for. Do you, what was the thing I was going to say? It's gone now. It couldn't have been that good. Oh, I just have a couple things to look out for. And then if anything else that you have. But uh, the first home Jack visits, supposedly there are two commemorative Elvis plates on the living room wall, which (laughs) I really want to try to spot. (laughs) Now I'm going to look for them. Yeah, Yeah. it was a reference to Blue Christmas, which came out in 1964. So like referencing Mm, because it's saying I'll have a blue Christmas without you Mm -hmm. um, because it's not Santa. So I thought that that's kind of fun. (laughs) Uh, And then this I've seen a picture of, um, but we'll have to look out for it. The evil queen from Snow White is spotted briefly in the back row of the town meetings. No. Really? It's in the the villain book I have, so I know kind of what to look out for. But yeah, she's like a puppet version of herself. Oh my God. They they should have had Maleficent. (laughs) And then apparently this one I don't know. uh, There's a hidden Mickey on the table when Jack's doing his experiments. So we'll have to keep our eyes out to see if we see it. Sometimes those are easy to see and sometimes they're like ridiculously hard to find. So the only thing I wanted to say, oh, I have two things to say next. So the first thing is this really has very little to do with our episode, but in the prop culture episode, he goes to a Tim Burton themed bar in uh, LA called Beetle House. Yes, we yes. So we need to, to go, go to Beetle House. Yes. All of us uh-huh. need to go to Beetle House. Yes. I just look it up. It and amazing. listeners, if you've been, please let us yes, know on send the us Facebook pictures, page. Let We'd us love know. to hear about it. The other thing I want to ask 
both of you is, you know, like you have your favorite character, but the cool thing about this is there's so many interesting visual background characters. So who's your favorite monster in this? Oh man. I almost want to watch it and then answer that well, question. Let's again. let's if you don't have an oops, sorry, if you don't have an answer now, that's fine. I actually no. Um my and well they're not even monsters. It's, it's the three kids. Oh, Lockstock. Yeah. Yes, man. They're just such buttholes. And those are the biggest monsters <laughs> ever because and they're just unabashedly like, yep, I'm a butthole. So what? Like, I know yeah, they're not there's... like 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 the vampires or the werewolf or even like, you know, the little head in in the base. Like, I know it's nothing like that, but like. God, if you've ever been around three butthole kids like those kids are <laughs> yeah they're well, it. there's a whole there's a whole scene they took out where they kind of get theirs because get what's coming to them yeah it's on disney plus as, a, as an extra scene but it's like they're in the cage like watching all this stuff happening to santa and uh sally mm-hmm. and they cut all that out but then like when jack comes in he like jumps on the cage and like scares them and, and they run off hmm Ah, um, no, I don't want him to get that. Like, I want him to stay. Like, nothing happens because yeah, you know, that, that's based in reality. Sometimes buttholes don't have bad things happen to them. I uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not that great to say. I don't think we lost anything by losing yeah. it. So, uh, they, I like the vampires a lot. You do? I the, do the, like the vampires because they're almost like Russian nesting doll vampires. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like them a lot, and I like the band. The band's weird, and I like the band a lot too. Uh, the other thing, you know, when we talk about villains, and we can talk about this later. Jack Skellington's in my villain book because again huh. you mentioned like in Beauty and the Beast we mentioned the, the beast is kind of the bad guy yeah the for townspeople part of it. their hero has died and that's Gaston right yes. so this is a similar perspective to where like Jack is the villain to the people who are wanting Santa Claus I think- I don't think that he should be our villain but I think it's another interesting story where you kind of have an he's an anti-hero from one side of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just find that an interesting perspective. We've had a couple of those in a row. Well, and and you know what though, that I think that's what makes Nightmare one of the more interesting Disney stories because just in regular life, you are always somebody's hero and you are somebody's villain, and Mm -hmm. it always just determine it's it's based on perception right so for if you're growing up in halloween town yeah jack is awesome but for those poor kids who opened up a package and had a, a sandworm come out and try to eat them <laughs> yeah, alive, and eat their whole christmas tree yeah <laughs> ruin christmas you know you yeah. gotta shoot jack out of the air yeah he's probably a villain to you yeah so i think visually just going with that my favorite is probably the dude who's like constantly melting. Oh, oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's so <Yeah>. gross. <laughs> that's part of it, but partly because it looks like it'd be so hard to do. To do. Yeah, that's but true. One of the ones I also like that they talked about a lot is there's the dude who like, he has got the mouth, but the mouth goes all the way around his head. Is that the guy who makes the hat? In the yes, song. I, I like yes. Yes. yes, I love yeah. him. He, he was done like it's also cool because they show his armature puppet. And he's got like all these paddles around where his bottom should be, and they just his bottom lip because it's, it's, oh. it's just his whole head is open. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, he was just a cool thing. I liked him, but I, I, I was gonna say him, and then I remembered uh, Mister Always Melting, and he. Yes. Was... He's. Oh, what good. about the mayor? The ma- oh man, the mayor who can change his head based on his mood. Yeah. Oh, that that really set it. It hit me different as a kid, where I was like, 
is that real? Like people really are, is that the inside of people? Like you just change your face. (laughs) Like it, I, I I had an experience with that. Like that was a moment where I was like, "Mm." when I saw the scene that was like, we reveal who Oogie Boogie really is in the deleted scenes on Disney plus. I thought the mayor, because it looks like his hat would go up into the head. Like, it looks oh, like he would so you fit thought in there. that that's who it was. I was like, was oh, it's going to be the mayor. Yeah. Like, because I don't know. Finkelstein didn't feel like, I mean, he just didn't feel like a villain. He just, he, like, a villain he's to me is like. He's just like a curmudgeon grab. Yeah, like, yeah. he already, like, knows what he is. He's like, ah. So, yeah. like, he wouldn't disguise himself as someone else mm-hmm. if he wanted to do something villainous. I think he would just do something do it. villainous. Yeah. 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 He's all but, well. He was already set up as like a mad scientist. So I mean, okay, what else? Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he, he has nothing to uh, gain from this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the only other thing I have here is I also read out of that villain book that Ken Page, who is the voice of Oogie Boogie, I guess he he wasn't initially. I don't know if he wasn't initially considered, or there was there was some like weird story about how for a reason he might not have gotten the role. And then he was talking about how he saw Oogie Boogie. And he said he saw him as a cross between the Cowardly Lion from The Wizard of Oz and the Demon in The Exorcist. And that's what? What sold, that's what sold them on giving him the role Pazuzu of Pazuzu and the Cowardly Lion. Yes. Wow. I just found that so weird and I, specific. I agree. That does feel like he was, like, they were like, we don't know what you mean, but that's the coolest answer we've heard. So yeah, you got the role. Yeah, and we want to see what your interpretation of that mm-hmm. is. But. That's weird. <laughs> that's that's really weird. I'm not even going to lie to you. I don't even know what to do yeah. with that. Yeah. Do you guys have anything else you want to add before we watch the movie? No, I think that's it. Becky? No, movie time. Yes. Yeah. Let's uh, take the VHS out of the... V- uh, I screw this up every, every time. time. Let's take the VHS out of the clamshell and stick it in the VCR. All right. See you on the other side, listeners. Well, hello, listeners. We are back. And I think first, I don't know if we just want to go into our thoughts. I mean, we all shared kind of at the beginning that we love this movie and we watch it pretty consistently. Yeah. So I, 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 it's, it's funny. I feel like sometimes when I do the other ones, it's like, it's a nice surprise because I haven't seen it. Or it's a nice surprise because it's been a while. And this one, it was like, it was exactly as good as I remember it being. Yeah. And that's really good. <laughs> yeah. It gave me the warm and fuzzies. I love yeah. this movie. Yeah. I think this is one of those movies that is very... Like, if we were to look at it, I'm like, oh, this is not as problematic as a lot of other old movies that I've watched. This is great. Yeah, I think it does a really good job of walking that line of spooky and like whatever without being like there's a it's like Adam's family. I even think Adam's family is a little more risque than this, but it's like that kind of spooky, scary, like fun without being infantilizing, but also without being like. Oh, this is this is creepy and I don't like yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if before we go into the plot, if we wanted to talk about the Haunted Mansion overlay. We had talked about that <sighs> yes. when the film started. So if we wanted to just briefly mention that. And I think it's it's we listen to a couple amusement park podcasts and it's kind of controversial because I think not because it's bad, but I think some people don't like it because it's up for so long and it's like if you live anywhere near there you want to go and see it's the... up like long before halloween i forget when they open it we'll have to look it up but i think it's do it all of october halloween, through... And then through november i think as through well. december i think yeah. yeah yeah 
So I'll I think take for it. folks who are, want, to, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I really want to see it, but I, I could see if there were people who were planning a trip to Disney, is it just Disneyland or do they do it in both? Just Disneyland because Disney, Disney World is its oh, they own. Don't do it in- no, because Disney World is its own thing. There are more locals who go to Disneyland than there are Disney World. So they've pretty yeah. much been like, okay, Disneyland, we can do like the small little updates that like people who like to go to Disney will get. And Disney World, they realize is more of a global destination point. So more people go mm-hmm. there. So they keep that pretty similar, like, you know, just pretty copacetic Disney. And that was kind of my point is like, yeah, if you were planning a trip and you'd never been on Haunted Mansion, you might not be as pumped for the overlay because of that. I mean, I really want to do it when they do the overlay. I think it would be really cool. I, There's also people who plan their trip so they see it both ways because it's Disney magic. Yeah. So one day it's there and the next day it's gone. Like it's pretty seamless how they've got that transition down. I think personally, I because I, I think they do it for both. Like it starts on Halloween and ends on Christmas. Yeah, we'll have to, I, I don't know that it, we'll have to look I, it up. Well, I think because that was, was my argument, I think at one point was I wish they would keep the Haunted Mansion for Halloween because it's already Halloween-ish. Yeah. Right. Like, I understand them doing this for Christmas or even like into like November and stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Um, I do know, and this is something, I, I think I remember this from when we watched the like Imagineering documentary, is wasn't, they have a new Leota for uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and it's, like they they brought in a Leota head, and it's the daughter of the original Leota. Do you remember this at all? I remember it, but I don't remember the specifics as to why it's her now instead of the instead of the original Leota. We'll get but, that fact yeah. and put it up on the Facebook page. But I I remember like sh- I think it was for this they re-recorded. Oh, it might have been when they do the overlay. Yeah, yeah that might have been why. Yeah, I, so that I think that's kind of cool getting mm-hmm. the, the having to be kind of a generational thing. Yeah. Um, what did you guys decide on a favorite monster? really hard throughout I, there were so many i forgot about the swamp or the lake monster who's kind of with the witches mm-hmm. i love when she does that snow angel at the end she's just good in general but i think i still really like the vampires a lot yes i like the vampires but it's the texas chainsaw massacre-esque guy with the axe in his head who's just yeah he's just there for the ride <laughs> So I don't know yeah. if you heard, but apparently there was, and I think this is on Disney Plus too, there used to be a, a, an extra couple lyrics in Making Christmas where he sang and it turned out he had like a beautiful singing voice. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a missed opportunity. I would have loved for that. Yeah. I think you can see it on Disney Plus, so. Oh, that's exciting. I love that. Well, I guess we'll... Ju- yeah, I, I think that's really great. I'm kind of bummed that they cut that out. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they ever filmed it. It was like oh, an, it was it had an like animatic. An yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. Um, but to just jump in, the opening credits happen right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it interesting, too, that the lettering is red. I don't know what I... I think I always remember the lettering being white. I thought that, oh, too. In this version, yeah. Yeah, I wondered that. Like, that was actually something I thought about when I looked at it. And I said, I remember it being white or maybe, like, kind of like a yellowish white. But maybe I'm... Yeah. That's you know? definitely how it is on, like, the box art and the poster, I believe. Oh, really? So that might be what we're thinking Then maybe of. that's why we're thinking that. Yeah, but it's red, at least the version we watched on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Yeah, it's yellow on the on the poster then, here. Then that might be what we're thinking of. But um, it opens with the land of doors, you know, that forest of doors that we talked about. And then we hear the first song, This is Halloween. And the way I've kind of written my notes is around each song because, it, you know, mm-hmm. the music is really throughout. 
Um, Ryan also mentioned, too, that the ghosts floating, it doesn't just happen in This Is Halloween. They kind of happen throughout the story in different scenes. But anytime you see ghosts floating or, like, Oogie Boogie shadow up on That's the moon. That's hand-drawn animation added on top of it. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. I never, like, I, I, I obviously I noticed it. I did not think of it as being hand-drawn. I was like, oh, they did computers like everything else. Good job, Disney. But It was interesting because I was talking to uh, one of the, I was at a, online convention this weekend and one of the people there is is carly who is she's the one who did our uh uh art yeah shout out to carly what's up carly and we were uh doing um we were talking about this and how i was like in my mind i went oh wow they had to do every uh pose and take a picture of it that's so much harder than hand-drawn animation and then i was like well, no, it's the same because, like, that's what animation is. It's one, one picture. Yeah. But Carly time. pointed out that this is this is not, like, uh, hand-drawn and CGI because it's always moving forward. You have to – the next frame has to be has done to based on the first frame. Yeah. Whereas in animation, you'll draw keyframes, and then someone will come in and do some of the in-between. The in-between, yeah. Uh, in uh, CGI animation, you make the keyframes, and the computer kind of puts stuff in between. And she was talking about that. And I was like, that's right. And I saw that in the documentary. They said if they screwed something up, they'd have to like wipe the whole day and, you know, the whole, a certain amount of time and go back to a, a beginning. So well, this I, is harder than that stuff. And yeah. I think that's why they invented those two systems I talked about, yeah. which helped to not ruin the shot. Because if you ruined a shot, then you're also having to go back and mm-hmm. redo all of that. Another thing they did for this is, we, you know, if you've ever seen any of the making of Star Wars and how... They had the motion control camera where, like, the Millennium Falcon is sitting still and the camera's moving. It's unprogrammed. Yeah. So they used those same cameras, but those cameras figured out how far it had to move to the next. Like, that's one of the things that this movie, you go look at, like, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's a stationary camera and everything's moving. Like, in Mm -hmm. this, it's as they're doing stuff, it's doing these sweeping crane shots and things like like, that. There's one moment where it it does like a panoramic shot around Jack. I think it's when he's in the cemetery. So when he's in the cemetery at the end, but then I think it's also when he's like down and out at the beginning. They do some really beautiful panoramic shots around him. Well, And they match those shots up. You you know, you've got your pre-existential moment of what am I doing? What is my life? Nothing matters. And your end with actually, I know exactly who I am and and what I'm supposed to do. So it's it's kind of a funhouse mirror. They still do those those sweeping shots together. Yeah. But that's one of the things I think that makes this different from other stop motion animation before this is because it feels more like a regular movie because the camera is moving at the same time mm-hmm. and it would just move. The camera was on this program and they go, we got the shot and then they'd move the camera a little bit just like they would this. And that was all yeah. computers. So, That's or cool. it was programmed with computers, but it was also funny because the guy goes, this is how we do it. We program in this very fancy computer and it's 1993. So he pulls out like, it's like, looks like a TI calculator. Yeah. He's like, and we want to do shot, blah, blah, blah. It's like, boop, boop, boop. Like he's punching these big numbers. Uh-huh. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Here's your TI-83 with its it's five it looks- gigs. <laughs> and it's like got yeah. a huge cord that's going into the camera. Oh, wow. Like it's so ridiculous. But I wrote that the This Is Halloween song is such a great introduction to so many characters. To the world. Almost to the world, to like pretty much every character um, we don't see Lockshock and Barrel. They come later. And 
I don't know that Dr. Finkelstein is in it, but Sally is. And there's so many characters that we get introduced to. And like you said, introduced to the world and kind of what we're kind of in for. And the other thing I thought was cool, when we were talking about the hand animation with the shadows, when you see Oogie Boogie's shadow in the moon, that's hand animation, but then they have the bats and that's got to be stop motion when the bats come flying at you. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to think of that in terms of like all the work that had to be done to match that all mm-hmm. up. Right, right, yeah. So I just thought that that was interesting. Um, and I love that when they're celebrating Halloween, you know, it's the most horrible yet. And then that's when we're kind of introduced to Dr. Finkel. And I don't know if it's Finkelstein or Steen. It's Finkelstein because Stein? it's supposed to be Frankenstein. Oh, that I makes sense. I think I'm thinking um, uh, young Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein. Like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm screwing that up, yeah. Uh, But that's where we meet him and Sally, and he tries to hold on to her, and she unstitches her hand. So we're introduced to that pretty early, that she can unstitch and restitch herself, which comes Mm -hmm. back into play throughout. Uh, Everybody's gushing over Jack, so obsessed with, like, how well he did. And this is... Oh, I just, I forgot to say, going back to Dr. Finkelstein, Steen, God damn it. It's done. It's in your your brain now. I've I've ruined it for everybody. Um... (laughs) He's the voice. Uh, I think it's Harry Finkel. It's 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 the guy from um, Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. Who's like the blast scene? And I know the one with the cigar. William Hickey. I don't know what. I, I there's like Harvey Finkel. That was way off. Hey, William Hickey. Well, we he, should go. Oh, go ahead. Uh, but he. But I think it's just funny because I feel like not too long ago we we're talking about how his wife in the movie is Betty Boop and she was in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes, we should also just talk about some of the other voices because we've got Catherine O'Hara, who's both Sally's and singing voice. Shock, I believe. Is she yes. Sally's speaking voice as well? She yes, is Sal- so she's Sally's, Sally's singing and speaking, and singing. speaking voice. Uh, Chris Sarandon, who is uh, Prince Humperdinck from. Uh, Princess Bride is Jack's speaking voice, but his singing voice is Danny Elfman. And if you watch that prop culture, which again I, I highly recommend, it there's this part because he has a Jack and he's showing it to this guy, uh, the the host, and he starts talking. He goes, "Well, the thing that was interesting about singing is I like that Jack sings very high and then very low, and he just starts yeah. singing and like." When you hear Danny Elfman talking, you don't think Jack, but the second he sings like him, and you can watch it like wash over the host's face of like. Oh my He's God, just this doing this, and he doesn't yeah. even realize how big a deal this is. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, well, you know, okay, so this past, I want to say maybe past October, maybe it was, uh, yeah, okay, I don't have the exact date because it's pandemic and nobody has dates during that <laughs> past year of crazy. But right. uh, Danny Elfman released a new song, and I say this because my boyfriend shared it with me and was like, oh, you need to listen to this. And I was like, okay, it's normal Danny Elfman, blah, 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 right? But now thinking back to it, when I when I hear it back in my head, I was like, it's still Jack Skellington, even within this new song that was released. Um, musically, it's not exactly the same, but you can still hear it. And I was like, oh, he can't separate himself. Mm-hmm. Like those are, he is Jack and Jack is he in the same, the, the same world. Yeah. I will I will post this too because I feel like in the last few years they had a reunion of everybody and they all came together and he like conducted an orchestra doing the songs. Oh, that's cool. But they have him and Paul Rubens and Catherine O'Hare singing "Kidnap the Santa Claus" and then they mm-hmm. get Ken Page up there to do Oogie Boogie. Oogie Boogie. Well, and, and from what I read, he does the voice of Oogie Boogie for anything. Yes, so he does it for yeah, Kingdom he does Hearts. It for, for, yeah, oh, I yeah, love that. Stuff that that character is in. Um, and then didn't you also say the mayor is the guy from Beetlejuice? Glenn Shaddix, who is Otho in Beetlejuice. Oh! Which, that's one that I'm like, those are two very different characters. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 
I just think it was, there's some good voices in here. So I mm-hmm. wanted to make sure we shared those. Uh, but then we go to Jack being down and out. You know, he's thinking in the cemetery. This is where we meet Zero. So Zero isn't in that song. So the first mm. time we meet Zero. Um, and then Ryan wrote that he forgot that Zero's nose is a jack-o'-lantern. And that was one of my facts. And I omitted it because I was like, oh, everybody knows. <laughs> so I guess we should say it for anyone who maybe didn't notice that. Um, but I love how he almost is dancing on those tombstones as he's stepping like from one to the next. And this is where I, you first notice he has the spider like movements because he's so long. Um, and he has those in Christmas town as well when he's like climbing up things and jumping to the windows and the same thing when he's on the roofs, um, of the houses. I just love his movement. Well, he was apparently a little bit of a difficult armature to make because like, they made a few of them. So they made like, I have the exact Is number Is this here. the prop culture fact that you wanted to talk about? Because I have a note that, here. No, I, I, that was Danny that Elfman was, singing. Oh, okay, okay. But this, they had 227 puppets because they had to double up a lot of the puppets because sometimes they get used and they get, if they get worn up. But like, yeah. everybody else kind of has padding over their armature. And like Jack, it's just fabric. Mm. Because he's so skinny, like they couldn't put anything over the armature almost. Yeah. So. That's interesting. Um, so we're in the song called Jack's Lament and, you know, he's, he tires of his crown. He explains to us, and this is his, I want song, you know, going back to like the Howard Ashman kind of structure of things, you know, him saying how he wants more out of this. And this is where you mentioned Becky, that you'd love to see this as a stage musical. Oh, a hundred percent. It lends itself to the exact formula of a stage musical. You have your, your 11th hour song, you have your ennui moment, you have your, your questioning motives and why am I doing something? I mean, it, every single bit of it is a musical. Now, granted, if they were to put this on stage, would they add more filler songs in that would probably annoy the crap out of all of us? <coughs> Beetlejuice? Then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beetlejuice the musical is bad. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> but I feel like this uh, set-wise, lighting-wise, uh, costuming and 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 it is a special effects dream to be able to create this in terms of real life. I don't know why they haven't yet, quite honestly. Two things to say about that. Um, the first one I've forgotten, so we're gonna skip that one. <laughs> the second one was, uh, have you seen the Jack Skellington walk around character at Disney World? No, and I want to. No, no, you might not. Um, so oh, no. it's. One of the things they do is it's a mask that goes from like the nose up and then you can see his mouth talking. It's I think it's really creepy. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, oh, we, we haven't seen it in person, though. I would rather they just paint up his face like a skeleton. Why, like, yeah. yeah. Why, why couldn't, I don't know. Or make an entire cowl and like make a whole prosthetic out of it if that's the I mean, it's hot, sure, but like whatever. Yeah. Like, it di- like, like Disney has suddenly cared about their people walking around in hot costumes now. Like, uh, make it happen. Like, <laughs> yeah. don't do a half, a half mask. A half mask is like... Half mask is half. <laughs> like not to not to be rude, but it, I mean, it is. Listeners, we'll post a picture and you let us know what you think. And uh, yeah. Becky, I'll get a picture while we're, talking, while we're talking and I'll post it into the chat. Oh. You can take a look. Okay, well, uh, if I scream in so horror, then we know. Why. Yeah, yeah, then that's why. Yeah. Um, but do you want me to just wait so you can just? Yeah, show we'll it? just yeah. wait and then we'll we'll cut out we'll the cut the out. wait. That's fine. Um. Oh, why? <laughs> have you seen it do you want to come over and look real quick i think or? i have seen yeah. it. oh yeah. oh no I mean, I think I did. no 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 i think also 
This is worse. I think also the other problem is it's not round. Like it, the thing about Jack's head is it's like perfectly round. Yes. The, oh no, absolutely not. It doesn't even terrify me. It just makes <laughs> as, as a as a special effects makeup artist, I look at this and I just get mad. I'm why? Mm, this is there's no yeah, sense of this. I don't like it. I don't like this at all. <laughs> canceled. It's canceled. Well, anyway, we'll like I said, we'll, we'll post this. Yeah. Um, and going back into like Jack's lament, this is where we also hear that Sally identifies with Jack's feelings. She also can really relate to how he's feeling. And then um, she goes back to get her arm from Dr. Finkelstein. And I like the line where he's like, you've poisoned me in the last couple months, like two times. And she's like, three, three, three times. times. Yes. So excited by that. Yeah. And her saying that she's restless. You yeah. Know, she wants so much more uh, than what kind of has been given to her by her creator. And then we cut back to Jack and we all laughed when he breaks off his rib bone to throw it at zero, like two zero, like to play fetch. Um, And then it's the next morning. So the mayor's already starting to plan the next Halloween. And I noticed that the mayor's fingernails are red and they look like they were painted with nail polish. And I just really like that detail. I don't know why that's there, but it's throughout the film Mm -hmm. and I picked up on it here. Um, But he noticed that Jack's not home. And this is, I think... This is the first time we see his face flip, right? Mm-hmm. Because yes. he gets sad when he realizes he gets like panicked. And anytime he gets panicked or angry or upset, his face switches back and forth. Uh, and as we cut back to wandering in the forest, this is where Jack kind of comes upon the holiday doors. And he gets very entranced by the Christmas tree door and the wind and snow kind of pick him up and swoop him in to Christmas Town, and that's where the song What's This happens. And Ryan mentioned that when he looks over the town, it feels very Grinch who stole cri- the Grinch who yeah, stole it looks Christmas. Like who Almost will. more creepy than Halloween, in fact. Yeah, and I think I think it was supposed to look similar to the Grinch who stole Christmas, like him being yeah. up on the hill like that. Well, speaking of how creepy it was, Becky, I, I something you said where you're like this is still like the the you said the toys still look kind of off. Yeah, I think it's that that top that Tom Burton. Who is Tom Burton? Uh, the Tim Burton aesthetic, like this is kind of a scary looking Santa Claus. Not scary, yeah. but like, but well, definitely not right. I think. Yeah, Tim Burton's proportions are always a little askew or a little yeah, and so you've got Santa who's got like very tiny hands and feet. I love yes. his little feet that stick out under his big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think like everything's kind of got a weird look. I to love it. that the doll had like a jack o' lantern face on it, and that was supposed to be the good Christmas doll that they were excited. It was just like, yeah, yeah. What, huh? Uh, but I love when Jack comes down into the snow he's so inquisitive he's so happy and this happens later when it snows in halloween town but he they all remind me of our dog lady like when lady is in the snow and i'm sure it's the same if you see kids but we don't have kids uh but when lady's in the snow she's just like so happy and prancing around and it just it's that same kind of joyful feeling and it's when we saw snow out here granted we then had a terrible storm <laughs> yeah uh but before before the horror yeah of this, she's she's in dallas yeah, so uh, the party. horror of the storm it is kind of magical to see snow especially out oh yeah you don't see it all the time so that feeling of joy i think they captured really well yeah and well and wonder with it this oh my gosh this beautiful yeah, thing yeah. you know Exactly. Yeah, well, I, I like the idea. Like Christmas is still wonderful, even for the kind of kooky people. Yeah, you know? right. like, people yeah. are a little different. Like it's still like this is your holiday too. Yeah, and so I like that Jack when he's the snowman, like he falls into the snowman 
and like kind of becomes the snowman. <laughs> He's like bouncing song. around. Yeah. With it. And then also he holds the Christmas lights up to his eyes. And yes. I thought that that was a cool bit. Well, I think that's the cool thing about this. Like, I, you, I just don't think about this being in a real space. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think about it. I th- I just I think when I watch this I think of it like oh it's just an animated movie but it's like that real space so when he does that like you're actually lighting something in a very specific yeah you're way. lighting I don't think about into that the, otherwise the like caverns that yes. are his eyes <laughs> I I don't know how else to describe <laughs> yeah, that that's kind like. of what you're lighting yeah. up um but then also when he falls into the snow because he's so light he falls like yes. down so instead of making a snow angel he kind of like falls almost through it. Uh, but there's just a lot of great detail with this song. And so then that's when he sees the sign Christmas Town and he sees Santa for the first time. And so then it cuts back. No one can find Jack. They sound the alarm, which is like this whining cat that they yes. that they rev up. <laughs> and Sally is spiking the soup again. And we were saying how brilliant she was with that slotted spoon. Um, she's got so I want to know I believe Becky admitted that when she tries to murder someone that's how she's going to go about <laughs> that's it right. and I mean, it's get away smart, with it it's I a think. really I mean I now there's get, evidence of I just it. wanted to get this on on tape for the for the trial that's right hey listen I will I, I'll be blatant with it but also like let's just be real Sally is a stone cold G she's com- you, you could tell she's done this so many times and she's had to think each time Oh, he's foiled me this time, but I need to get out. I have to experience the world, whatever that world might be. How do I do it? Okay, well, he's probably going to, if I poison him, he's on to me. He's probably going to ask me to taste it. Got it. Fixed it. Like, she's she's brilliant. She's learned from each one of her tries before, right? And mm-hmm. built on that. And I want to know, because talking about young Frankenstein, they use Abby Normal. He had to have gotten a very smart brain for Sally. Or do you think Ooh, she's I didn't just think of stuffed it that with... Way. We joke that she's stuffed with leaves, but I would think if he uses half of his brain well, for his next creation, that maybe he used a brain the, in her. The, in the interview I saw with, again, I feel bad I didn't look up this woman's name, the, the writer, she said that Abby... Uh, Abby... Sally was uh, well. Abby, normal. That's yes, why there you, you go. That's that why. Uh, Sally was flesh and 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 like stuffing. Oh, okay. So there's they've the, for sure. There's parts of her that are real. That person. are real, yeah. like almost like a Frankenstein yeah. type. I think thing. I always just thought she was a doll, but yeah, I mean, she because she has that rag doll. They refer yeah. to her as doll face and things like that. Um, Oogie does anyway. But that's when I don't know why. Anytime Doctor Finkelstein opens his skull. He only does it twice, but he opens you, his skull and he traces his brain wrinkles and it grosses me out. Uh, he's or scratches his head. He opens it, opens yeah, up his cranium just, to scratch his brain. Yeah. I just, yeah. It, that grosses me I don't know me if out. you heard then, Becky, but there was an audible like, oh, like, yeah. like, 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 no, thank you. And I know it's coming, but every time. Uh, and then we cut to the vampires and us noticing about them having the parasols. I love the, all the details with each yes. of these extra characters, and so it well, these are here people who them. love monster movies, like yes. the 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 um, woman, the swamp creature, like looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, the like, wolf man. There's like that family that has like. The, the the dad and the mom and the kid that's kind of like and the stitched mom that together. Becky yeah. has named Ethel, Ethel and I agree yeah. that that's a good name for her. I just, I just uh, oh my god, and they're so ah, I love these these side characters. They don't have any lines. You might see them in one or two sequences, and that's it. But I love them because they are just they are so full of life, even though they are partly dead or 
reanimated things or kind of gross, whatever the case they are, uh, they are so full, even in those two or three seconds that we see them, mm-hmm. they are so a hundred percent full. And, and I actually, if this was to be broken off into a series or maybe not a sequel, cause that's too much, but like I see, I, I, I want to know about them. I want to know, like, what do you wake up and deal with in Halloween town? Like, you know? <laughs> Well, yeah, I would they, love to they... see walk around characters of any of all mm-hmm. of them. Like, I think that'd be fun. I also was wondering, especially at Halloween, even if they didn't do it all year round. But if at like during Mickey's not so scary, if they picked a few of those yeah. characters mm-hmm. to walk around would be kind of fun. I uh, I was wondering this. Do you think they designed some of these characters before or after uh, this is Halloween? Because some of them are described in there. Like there's the one guy who's like. I've got snakes for fingers and spiders, spiders in, my, in hair. my hair. And it's yeah. like, did they make that character? And then Danny Elfman did it. I think it's the other way. I think Danny Elfman wrote the song like, and then they go, okay, well, let's well, have a clown with a tearaway face. Yeah. Like, and well, and if you think a lot of the, it's interesting. It would be interesting to see what the script was that Danny Elfman was given. Yeah. Right. But From that's Tim what Burton. I'm saying. Was, yeah. yeah. Like how much Yeah. Because described. there's so much music within this film but i also know? know tim burton drew a lot of these characters yeah. so i wonder if those characters he gave them and it inspired like I, i'm just curious which which came first i'm, yeah. I'm with you there i want to know um, for in, you mentioned the character with the i have this the snakes for fingers spiders in my hair blah 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 um i look at that character and i'm like well you're not nearly as terrifying as if i had just heard it in the song yes so at what point in the editing process, do they kind of shut that down so that it's more kid friendly or, you know, I also like that. He doesn't really have spiders in his hair. No, his, his hair, hair is, is a spider. Yeah, like, it's just, and it's like mm-hmm. parted. It's a, yeah. It's a spider comb over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it goes back to what Becky was saying about how they did a really good job with world building in this, you know, like, and they did that through each of these characters. Like, even though, like you said, sometimes we only meet these characters for, very short moments throughout the film, you know, we can really identify with them and you know who you're talking about and like kind of seeing what the rest of their days like, I think is kind of a fun Mm -hmm, thought. mm -hmm. Um, Then Jack comes back. He has all these Christmas goodies. He calls a town meeting and this is where you can clearly see it looks kind of like the witch, like a puppet version of the Wicked Witch from um, the Wicked Queen, I should say. From Snow White, and she's holding an apple, and she's next to the Grim Reaper, which we never noticed the Grim Reaper is there. Which I don't makes think he's sense. in much of the uh, many uh, the rest of the movie. He's in the scene right before it is when you caught him. Yeah, that's it. Going Shot, to the yeah. town meeting, those yeah. only two shots, and I got, man, it was like Christmas. I got so excited. I was like, what? Oh, she is there. I mean, you know, she looks like she needs to take a nap, but she's there. And it's fun to, you know, as many times as we've seen these movies, especially this film, it's fun to still see things for the first time. I think that that's a really cool thing um, to be able to experience. And so then Jack starts talking about, he always calls it Christmas land versus Mm -hmm. Christmas town. And this is kind of where that song happens. And he's trying to describe Christmas land and nobody's really grasping the joy. They're all because they're used to scaring people Mm -hmm. everything he says they're kind of turning it into something horrible and scary and then he kind of just feeds into that when he describes sandy claws yeah he's like well i guess i'll give them what they want yeah so he absolutely stole all that stuff right 
Yes. Yeah, I mean, he had to have, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, they yes. didn't give it to him. No, no he straight objected. Well, he, yeah, I don't know that he ever, like, truly interacts with people one-on-one, right. on one, so I think he, like, spidered his way around and, <laughs> and got everything. But um, then he's up in the tower, he's reading, you know, this is when he's trying to figure out, you know, what does it all mean? And we cut back to Sally, and the doctor says that, she's poisoned him for the last time. So mm-hmm. now he locks her away. So that's kind of what happens with her in that moment. And Jack shows up at Dr. Finkelstein's door for experiment materials, I guess. That's where he gets the the um, microscope and yes. all the other things. Like he kind of comes for supplies. And now we're kind of into Jack's obsession. So um, Sally starts making almost like a care package for him. She sees that he's up late, that the light is on, like, Different things are happening in his tower. She makes this basket of stuff for him. And then Sally jumps to what seems like would be her death. (laughs) And Becky made a comment that, you know, even though we know she can stitch herself back together, it's still kind of an intense moment. And the whole band jump. They all like wince when she falls and hits the ground. Is this this when I stepped out first? Yeah, Yeah. But it is kind of a dark moment in the film because she just... She just kind of like lets herself fall. Like she's open to falling. It's like she looks almost happy. Mm-hmm. Happy's not the right word, but. Um, Relieved. Yeah, yeah. And then she kind of just sews herself back up and keeps going and she drops off the care package. And this is when her vision happens where she plucks the flower and sees the tree and then sees it set on fire. And we were talking about how it's kind of the burning bush moment. Mm-hmm. Is that what we were talking about? Yeah. The yes, mo- Moses the in the burning bush. bush. Yes. So then we hear the song, Something's Up with Jack. And this is when we started talking about the vampires being the Greek chorus. Because mm-hmm. they kind of introduce a lot of different things. Well, they, and they feel are like they're hanging around. around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is also when, because it's morning again, the rooster crows. And I never noticed that the rooster was a skeleton. Which That's I just so really liked. I never noticed that. Uh, but this is when he sees himself as Santa. Zero kind of brings him this picture of Jack and he sees, oh, it needs to be me as Santa. And I love the line, just because I can't see it doesn't mean I can't believe it. I mean, that's the definition of Christmas, right? Yes. Like, well, other things as well. But um, for purposes of this film, you know, believing in Santa without really seeing the magic and seeing how everything happens. So I just kind of really liked that line. Um, and then we cut back to the town hall. Everyone's waiting in line for Christmas assignments. So here's some of the assignments. The vampires improve <laughs> on the baby sound because they're appalled that that's what a baby sounds like. Yeah. I love that one. Do we, do we see later when he gives the gifts, does the baby come back into play? Well, there's, I think they made that doll that chases around the kids with the duck, yeah. with oh, the bullet the, holes, because okay. I think they made the duck too. Um, but Dr. Finkelstein has the reindeer. Lock, Shock, and Barrel get Santa. That's when we're introduced to them. Um, and we hear that they're, I think the mayor refers to them as Oogie's boys. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so that's how we kind of know that they're connected with Oogie, but we still haven't really been introduced to Oogie, um, fully at this point. And then we follow Lock, Shock, and Barrel to kidnap the Sandy Claws, which is such a good song. My favorite song of the movie. Hands down. Yeah. That one. It's so good. We see where they live. We see like all the weapons that they have and they start talking about all the different ways that they're going to trap Santa Claus. And then they do the, they send the bug down to Oogie Boogie. And then that's when you mentioned, <laughs> is he is eating, he eating him? it or is he like absorbing it? Like, right? is it becoming another part of him since he's made out of a million bugs? We find out later. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of both. 
Um, I mean, th- when I eat something, I beca- it becomes part of me. Yeah, so, so I, I mean, guess I guess that's, that's just how it works. Yeah. You are what you eat. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just a, a skin suit around a million hot dogs. That's all it is. <laughs> well, that was an image I didn't need. Um, but I also love that the clawfoot tub is their transportation. Yes. I love that detail. That that's like how they get around. That's how they capture Santa. Uh, and then we see. Uh, that's when we see Oogie eat the bug. Or well, I wrote eat the bug, but absorb the bug. So then the band trying to play Jingle Bells, that's their assignment. And we talked in a, about... In a terrible minor key. Yes, oh, about the, oh, how they're always playing it in a minor key. And always. the dead fish accordion. I love I it. I forgot it that, was a dead Becky. fish. Yeah, it's so good. And then... And then the head is... That's the best shot you get of the head looking like Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman so in the... So yes, looking for that. The, that's the head in the base. Yeah. And then we go to Sally, who's trying to share her vision to Jack, because her assignment is to make his sand sandy claws outfit uh and she's trying to tell him like this is all gonna go wrong and he's thinking she's talking about the outfit and you know it doesn't really it become clear to jack at what she's talking about and then i love that he starts with the guy with the axe in his head to describe the nutcracker <laughs> to him and then the kids come back so yes. i'm assuming he had the nutcracker as his assignment but the kids come back and we find out they've captured the Easter bunny mm-hmm. and not Sandy Claus. And so, you know, they go into that whole thing. That's a good gag. Well, yeah. I, I love the fact that the guy with the axe in his head, I'm going to call him Cletus because I feel like he looks like a Cletus. Cletus just yeah. goes, ooh, a bunny. And it's the first time you see like one of these, one of the characters there in Halloween Town recognize something else that's not part of their world as like fun and not yeah. because Jack has to set it up to them as fun and wonderful. It's just, oh, here's this wonderful thing. And I that was the moment when I was like, oh, okay, I actually really like Cletus now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that as well. So Dr. Finkelstein, this is when we also see he's making his new creation. He's starting to make his other half, literally. Uh, and then he gets the plans for the reindeer as well. And then we've got the countdown till Christmas, which is making Christmas, which is another really good song. And I love that throughout this, as we're seeing everybody making the toys, Jack kind of gives like compliment sandwiches. Yeah. Like he's kind yeah. of letting them down easy to be like, well, this isn't quite right. Like when they're making the hat. He's like, yes. this isn't quite right, but if you do this, this, and this, I think it'll be a little bit well, better. I, I love the, like, you, he made a head of a dead rat, and he's like, that's not, do it a little better. How about a dead rat, a dead bat? Like, it's, yeah. it's their, their lateral moves, in my yes. opinion. Yeah. But you know what, though? Honestly, it is the definition of constructive criticism. And I actually yes. use that scene um, in all of my acting classes. I will show that to them when I'm explaining to them about constructive criticism, because let's be real, sometimes kids don't get it. So I'll explain to them and say, listen, watch this. So he didn't tell them that their idea was bad or that it stunk or anything of a sort. You know what? This isn't the let's let use use more fresh roadkill. That'll be more pleasant than what you're putting in a box. And it works every single time to show what constructive criticism is. Yeah. And that was my thought as I was listening to it. I was like, oh, that's really funny (laughs) um, how he did that. Uh, So then we cut back to Santa and he's going over the naughty list and he says how there are barely any naughty kids and then the three naughtiest children show up (laughs) at his door basically and kidnapped him. And uh, and then this is where Jack's like, you're surprised, aren't you? Oh, when they bring him back. Yes, when they bring him back, you're, you're on vacation, you know, we have Christmas covered and then... 
They just take Santa to Oogie Boogie. He just tells them to make him comfortable. And I'm like, you should have given more details. You know them better than that. <laughs> so but- during this in my head, during this whole movie, I kept being like, I think I'm going to argue against Jack being a bad guy. Because I think my head, I was like, he thinks he's doing a good thing, blah, blah, blah. But there were so many scenes where he would get so manic and wild-eyed that I'm like, oh, yeah. no, he's the bad guy. <laughs> like, like, like he's he's doing a bad enough thing that it's like, he's realizing he does a bad thing, but, like, he's... He he's, comes around, but, he's yeah. He's the antagonist for a stretch of this movie. Yeah. See, I still don't, I still don't think of him as a bad guy. I think... He gets so obsessed with that idea and so obsessed with, I have to make this thing work. This is going to be good for all of us that, I mean, you, I guess you can say that with any villain, like all, all good intentions are, are the road, you know, but it it still didn't strike me as in, maybe I'm horrible because it still didn't strike me as inherently bad. I was like, oh man, he just doesn't take direction. I don't think that's it. I, th- I think he's on a villain arc, and before he gets to villain, he turns it around. You understand? Okay. Like, when you get to the point that's like... The point of no return. Yeah. If he would keep going and be like, no, I'm going to make Christmas happen. Like, it's like, okay, now you're a bad guy. But he went, oh, no, this is like, I need, this to, go is bad. I need to go get Santa. But And yeah. I think this is the part where he's so obsessed, and he thinks he's doing a good thing. He's giving Santa a vacation that he overlooks the fact that he doesn't yeah. really tell the kids how to take care of Santa. And it's clear they're going to bring him back to Oogie Boogie. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. so I think Jack overlooks that. Um, but then this is where it cuts to Finkelstein again, giving half his brain to his creation and Sally getting the fog. You're obsessed juice. with this storyline. It's, it's such a weird, it's such a weird flex, right? Like, okay, I've already yeah. created this one woman, but I'm going to create another one and she's going to have my brain. And also she's going to kind of look like me, but just be able to, it, it, it's weird. It's creepy in the not. It's like, he's All I'm saying. A, he's creating a caretaker, but then that caretaker, he wants them to like, he wants to have intelligent conversations and he wants somebody who enjoys his company. And I feel like he created Sally to be that person to care for him, but she has a mind of her own. Right. And I yes. think that's why the next one is his mind, but it's still. All I'm saying is you've never had friends that are like a gay couple that look really similar and you're like, <laughs> this is weird. But usually their personalities are still drastically I'm, I'm, different. Oh, fine. I'm just saying I know I've, uh, it's something I wonder about. In, in the gay community is like, why would you like, why would you date someone that looked like you? I make a joke all the time about how my boyfriend has the other half of my brain, but really he kind of doesn't. And that's a good thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. We do that a lot where we like, like we'll have not conversations, but like we'll say something and then we'll both realize like the next two things we were going to say and just start laughing at it before we get yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> but now we cut. <laughs> to another fantastic Ugh. song oogie boogie song yes we are here at it we see santa the black light like the whole um kind of casino layout and ryan got grossed out because there are worms in oogie's mouth when he opens them yeah! they fall into his beard, and then they crawl into his beard i'm like oh and we no. never see them again <laughs> yeah uh but he's the gambling boogeyman and the ghostly animations behind Oogie, you guys were mentioning, looked like from Fantasia. Okay. Yes, at the end. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they like Night on Bald Mountain. Uh, that that is a hundred percent what I thought. I was like, that has to be Night at Bald Mountain. And I and also all of the black light, all of the depictions of skeletons and things like that. I was like, I want to know if the animators working on Princess and the Frog looked 
back at that because it's oh yeah it has the very same hoodoo voodoo feel to it even though we all know that's not what well i don't want to say we all know but even though hoodoo and voodoo don't necessarily look like that i wonder if if that sort of visual imagery inspired the same visual imagery that happened in princess and the frog yeah, yeah. they bar- borrowed from it yeah. and kind of expanded on it for that movie yeah no that's a really I'm good connection that, yeah the other thing I want out of this is I want a casino in Vegas that is themed like Oogie Boogie. Like, oh, it I'd, is, I'd like, spend all night there. Got those like gangster like slot machine guys. Like, what if, I want those as slot machines. What if you had a haunted house? It's like a not I'd so scary haunted house. I would yeah. go so fast. Through. Yeah, like yeah I'd be fine with that. But I also think Vegas has so many different themed things. I, th- I think people would I don't be know that Disney that. wants to get into the gambling game. I guess the that's only thing. true. Fair enough. I think Good you point. could do all of this without the oogie boogie part. Like, that's have like true, a, but that's the part I would want yeah. for the casino. But I see your point, yes, yeah, as what? far as Disney goes. Why do I feel like there was a ride? There was a maybe, – maybe I just had a fever dream. But I feel like there might have been a ride at Disneyland that had the oogie boogie – like maybe maybe I made it up in my brain, um, not like a not quite like the tilt a whirl, but some sort of like circle, you know, casino type ride. Maybe I, I feel like because I have enough friends who have worked at Disney that I feel like at some point within the past twenty years they might have told me about this. Now I kind of want to research that. Ryan's uh, checking it. So there's a there's this which is from the. Uh, can you see that? Yeah. There's that where it's him standing in front of the spin the wheel for the, uh, I think that's his scene in probably the Haunted Mansion. Maybe that's what it is I'm thinking of. Yeah, maybe he's just depicted in that. But yeah, I would love them to expand on it. I definitely yeah. want to ride that yeah. ride or, or experience that. Just It's it's so I, fun. It's it's silly and fun and dark and day glow and, and black. I mean, come on. That's all the good things you want on a good ride. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, yeah, Dark Ride would be super fun. Uh, and this is then when the fog juice actually comes into play. So she uses it. It fogs everything up. And I love the big reveal when Jack comes out of the coffin and he kind of <laughs> reverses, like, instead of falling, yeah. he comes out like that. Yeah. And uh, that's when they realize Zero has to lead the way and he takes off. And then we go into Sally's song where she starts singing about this uneasy feeling and how she cares for him. If we didn't know it already, we now she very clearly states that she cares for Jack. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love Jack's wild laughter. Like as he's up in the sky. He keeps ho-ho-hoing and then it turns into like, (laughs) yeah. And he's delivering presents. Here are some of the presents. The shrunken head is the first one, which you guys were recalling That's from the, the trailer. That's the thing from the trailer. Mm-hmm. And what did Santa bring you, honey? And she pulls Screech. out the shrunken head and they yeah. scream yeah. for that very specific uh, The wreath that attacks the woman. So, And we see that as a shadow eventually. Uh, the sandworm that eventually eats the tree. You've got the doll and the duck with the bullet holes that I think that's what the vampires made. Mm-hmm. You've got the bats in the tree as well. And then you also see Jack hopping from one chimney to another. And I love that <laughs> bit. If he drops a present, you see the lights go on. Someone screams, drop a present. And it happens like three times. Uh, but then Becky, you also mentioned here that the family is being diverse. Yeah. Where he was doing presence. And I think that that is something to mention because up to this point, we're not seeing a ton of that, no. um, in Disney no. stuff. And so there was a moment there. Of yeah. It. It's a good move for 93. It, yeah. it was, you know, honestly, 93. So I was 11 years old. And when I saw that part of the, the trailer, like two little black kids at home being chased by Christmas presents, 
I, I immediately was like, oh, okay, I can watch this. This is, this is like us. Like, okay, cool. It's for me too. And obviously we, we weren't having those conversations in 93. So I think it's a really cool thing that that was even being, you know, you had your Asian family, you had your black family. It, that was a cool thing to have in this movie, especially considering that Tim Burton is so very much not black friendly. Usually like there's, there are a score of black goth kids who love Tim Burton, but we don't see a lot of ourselves in Tim Burton work. So this was definitely interesting. Yeah. I don't, I, I wonder if that, that, that part probably had more to do with the Henry Selleck production team, which is interesting because I don't know that that was a very diverse group of, you know, makers of, of, of the creatives. Yeah, it would be From what I saw, it was, it was, you know, a, a mayonnaise factory of white people. So. <laughs> a mayonnaise well, factory? It would be... Oh my gosh. Sorry, I don't know why. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, it would be interesting, yeah, how much thought was put into it or if it was just like, well, this is how we want these families to look. But either way, I think it's much appreciated. Yeah, yeah, Especially yeah. at this time. So now you have everybody calling the police saying that there's an imposter of Santa and this is when we see the military kind of come out and... Jack thinks that there's searchlights for him. He thinks the bombs are celebrations. And then it cuts back to Oogie. And this is the whole bit with Sally. And where the we leg. see her leg. And he tickles her foot. Um, I mean, I, yeah. guess... I, I think that's the, well, okay. I, I think that's the, like, because what what's the implication he wants to do with that leg? And this is the, like. I guess that's like, true. The, <laughs> this is like, like the kitty version the... of, like, ooh, I just like to tickle feet. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's thing. true. <laughs> Um, I like that voice you use. I was, I was trying to do Oogie. Yeah. Um, but then we see, then we see her hands that come, and poor Santa. This is when I was like, I'm surprised Santa hasn't fainted yet. Like the amount of stuff he has seen in a short amount of time. He now sees this woman whose hands are detached from her body. <laughs> who are like trying to save him and her leg is like on the other side. Um, and he's kind of just rolling with it at this point. And then we cut back to Jack he realizes they're trying to hit him, and then he's blown to smithereens. With, like, howitzer. Yeah, pretty intense. Like, big guns. So he gets shot down, and then everybody sees that in the cauldron. They're watching Jack, and they think he's died. And then this is where my thought was, isn't he already dead? Well, I think, they, I don't know if they, do they say he's dead, or they say he's been blown they to They say he's been blown to smithereens, and I guess he could be blown to dust, I yeah. guess, is the equivalent of him dying, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um... And then the cops also give the news that there's no sign of Santa. So very similar things are happening in both worlds of losing kind of their hero figure. So then this is when we go to the cemetery and Jack kind of drooping in this angel's arms. And Zero, I love that Zero gives him his jaw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in this moment. And he sings that song, What Have I Done? And... um this is when, Becky, you were mentioning earlier, you know, he realizes, oh, I have everything I am. I know who I am. I'm the Pumpkin King. I have all these ideas for next Halloween. Like, he becomes very empowering in this moment as he's, like, working through this song. I think this song is a low-key, like, really good song. Like, I think yes, it's got... Yes, I really like this song. It's not as catchy as the other ones, but I like the build. I like the, tri- the, the like minor key triumph of him realizing yeah. who he is like. yeah it's not even low key it's high key for me this was the moment as an 11 year old watching this the first time where i thought oh my gosh when he says i've tried my best and it wasn't enough what am i doing wrong i can't do anything right and then but wait a second these are the things i am good at and it's okay for me to try other things but 
as long as I know I am good at these things, I am me, I am this. And that was the moment where I was like, this is my jam. This is my movie. Um, it is such a huge turning point for Jack. And this is another reason why I say it would be excellent to watch this on stage because it is such a, a clear aha moment that this is what changes him from becoming any kind of villain to a hero because he has that ennui, you know, this, this, okay, let's, this is who I am. I got it. I got it now. Let's yeah. go. And let me, let me write the wrongs that I've made. It's also mm-hmm. good for stage because he does that thing they always do in musicals. I see where they step on the uh, <laughs> chair and it kind of tips over, but he does it like with a tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, that is good. Do you know what I'm talking Every about? Every like, musical like, that is yes. in there in the choreography. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but then we cut back to Oogie kind of torturing Sally and Santa. You know, it's the roll of the dice is how close they're getting to. Mm-hmm. I guess it's that molten yeah. kind of fire. Uh, and they hear the announcement that Skeleton Jack is now a pile of dust because mm-hmm. Sally kept saying he was going to save them. And this is where he goes through the tombstone. And I like the idea that the worlds connect not only through the forest doors, but through the cemeteries. I yeah, think that's I f- an interesting... An interesting way to do that. Well, so, okay. So, Santa Claus, obviously, in his mythology, has a built-in reason for him to go to the real world, right? Yeah. Like, Jack Skellington, like, we don't know, like, what is is Halloween Town's actual interaction with the real world. Like, Easter Bunny goes and he hides your eggs and stuff. Yeah. But, like, Jack Skellington's, like, I'm kind of a made-up character for this. So, like, is the implication, do we think he goes into town and scares everybody? And does, like spooky halloween stuff yeah yeah i think so and then he comes back and like tells them of what he's done and then scares the town as well so yeah. i'd be well i'd be i I would say that santa claus flies in on his sleigh but like jack comes through the comes cemetery, through the cemetery yeah no i yeah. love that yeah i i love that that that's how he gets from one place to the other right well i mean they they even say to him he scares people um into their graves so that told me right there that okay Mm. that is his job is he is there to terrify people during halloween i would even go so far as to say is like all of halloween town gets to come back over for that that one time and terrify people play tricks and then okay that's it you've had your one night go back to your land that's that uh, and I also find it interesting here, too, when he first shows up, Oogie's kind of scared of him. Yes. Like, he kind of well, like, shivers he's... a bit. I think he's surprised, but then also, so I like that our villain, again, that goes back to, like, Jack, too, who can really scare yeah, yeah, yeah. this this villain who is scared by so many. Um, and... I feel like Oogie, like, is always, and this isn't, like, clear in the movie, but I feel like... If we do a backstory, it's Oogie. This is not the first time Oogie's tried to kind of like... I feel like Oogie might have tried to take over a few times. Yeah, right? I feel like him and Jack probably battle. Yeah, Oogie's he like says, the number two scarer in town. Right. Because he does tell the... Yeah, he tells the kids to keep Oogie out of it in the beginning. Yeah. So he's like very firm on that. Um, but then that's where he sees the string. There's a string in Oogie's potato sack a loose thread thread, and he pulls it and that's when it unravels and and it's just bugs uh and i always remember being like kind of scared and grossed out at this part just because it was it's very detailed i've always wondered who the head bug in charge is like out of all those bugs 
There has to be one, yeah, like, right? Who's one? like, I'm the it's main one. It's got to be the last one. Hierarchy. It's got to be the last one that Jack Jack steps on. Well, no, it's not Jack. Santa steps Santa on. Santa steps on. Yeah. Santa straight up murders yes. Oogie Boogie. Santa. Well, think of it. He's been held captive by that man for what probably felt like forever. But yeah, he steps on the last one. And then that's You're like justifying, like <laughs> I'm just boom. saying, Santa's been through it, okay? <laughs> Santa's been Santa has had it. enough of Oogie Boogie's mess. You're lucky Santa didn't drop bombs on the town as he went by <laughs> instead of presents or snow, yeah, yeah, the snow that he gives them. But uh, Jack sets Santa free, and then I love that we also established that Santa's got magic dust, like. He's got, he's like. Well, that's the thing. He puts his, like, that's from other stuff. Oh, right? is that from other stuff? He puts his finger to his nose and he goes up. Oh, I good. Like that's how he that gets in thing. and out yeah. of the chimneys, maybe. Um, but this is then when we said that the mayor ruins everything because Jack and Sally are having, like, this sweet moment and they're realizing that they care for one another. And then the mayor, like, bursts in and is so excited it's, that Jack's It's so funny alive. you guys say that. I don't think it's the mayor. I think it's Lock, Shock, and Barrel. And they were like. Look, we found Jack. We saved him. Like, I think they're trying to, like... Trying to get on good graces with everybody now that Oogie's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, everyone is excited that Santa's back. We're hearing in the real world that Santa is is back and delivering presents. And then Santa wishes everybody a happy Halloween and gives them snow. And so then we get to see that joyfulness with snow. And the reprise, What's This, comes back into play uh, with all the characters mm. on, in the snow. And then we end with Sally and Jack on that on the snow-covered hill and that they're simply meant to be. Those are people who did not do trick-or-treating and Halloween in Colorado when it snows every October. And that is your Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and you're used to seeing the snow yeah. at Halloween. That's interesting because I, I feel like Tim Burton, where, where did he grow up? I don't know. I'll look it up. But that's, I feel like that's probably true. He probably didn't have snowy Halloweens. I mean, I know I grew up in Texas. I certainly did not. Listen, I, there are many a time where my Halloween costume was like, be this fake fur costume animal thing so that you can go outside and the yeah. snow come back and not freeze to death. Exactly. Um, so every episode... He was we, born oh, in Burbank. California? Yeah. I thought he was a California mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, so that makes sense. What does he know about seasons? Um, so... <laughs> Uh, uh, every every uh, episode we ask some questions so here we go uh how was the princess i believe the princess in this case was jack skellington yes because he was mm-hmm. the, the main yeah character i because he did have his i want he song had his I and want all that song, sort of stuff yeah. um i i like him i think he's very cool well designed i think it was interesting watching him kind of through a lens of a villain here which again I don't think he's a full-on villain, but I think he's on that arc. And he's got that weird manic obsessive energy that's very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But he also ends up, you know, saving the day at the end. Yes. He, yeah, he's got that well, frantic... Oh, sorry. He, I was going to say Santa saves the day. Yeah. He saves Santa, so... Yeah, but he's got that frantic energy. And I think it gives his character a lot of depth that we can point out, you know, what can potentially make him a villain as well as what makes him a hero. And I think it it's a very interesting story and Becky mentioned it earlier, you know, everybody can relate to, mm-hmm. you know, you're a hero in someone's eyes, but you're a villain in somebody else's depending on choices mm-hmm. you make. Yeah. Right. So I think that that's really interesting. I well, And I also think he's relatable because I think maybe each of us in our lives have reached that point where either, whether it be a career or create creatively or in a relationship, anything we, where we have wanted to change and yet whatever we're doing is so tied into our identity 
that we need to change. We need to move forward. We need to do something different. We're not sure how to go about it. And we fail. We fail trying to, to, to do what it is. But there's there's beauty in failing. There's beauty in, in getting it wrong so that you can bounce back and either become stronger in it is what you do or stronger in who you are as a person. And I and that was something I, I globbed onto very quickly as an eleven year old watching it. And one that I every time I watch it, I'm like, Yeah, we can you can fail and mess up and it's okay as long as you go through the steps to make it right. And as long as you you still remember who you are in in inherently. And I think that's what Jack does. Yeah, and it it's also a way to show that sometimes you have to go through that failure to figure out what it is you should be doing or where you should be. Right. You know, which I think is very true for him as well. Well, and also to listen to the people, listen to your support system. Because even though everybody in Halloween Town is like pro Jack, there's not a single person there that's like, ooh, Jack, we hope you fail, right? But there is one person there that's saying, okay, wait, hold on a second. Look at the big picture here. Before you you just jump off the cliff haphazardly, maybe you should give this some thought. And he ignores her. Everybody ignores her. No one listens to Sally when she has to say, this isn't the best idea. We need to think about this. Nobody listens to her. And it's only when the damage is done that he says, oh my gosh, you do support me. You do love me because you were trying to point out ahead of time how this yeah, could be. Yeah, you were looking out for me. Yeah, you were really, you you really had my back. Even though everybody else in town says they do, you truly do. And that is something that we get so caught up in what, what it is that we have to do at work at, at, if, you know, if you're still in school in that and with our families and whatnot, that sometimes you need somebody to kind of pull you back and say, Hey, hey, hey look, look at the big picture here. You need to reevaluate things. And that is a true support system, not just people who are your fans. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I think you covered our kind of our talk on how was the prince, like which the prince in this case is Sally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, but we've said a lot of stuff during this whole thing about how she feels like the smartest person. Like she's yeah. very cool design. Actually, going back real quick to Jack Skellington, something I didn't really realize till this thing around. For some reason, the his bat bow tie. For some reason, I always thought that was the collar on his shirt. I oh. never really saw it as in front of him. I thought it was coming from behind his neck mm. for some reason. So this time, I was just like, oh, that's a bat. It's a bat <laughs> bow tie. Like I always thought it was. It was a when spider. I was watching like making of stuff. I was like, oh, it's a oh, spider. Oh, is it a spider? I don't know. Uh, the spider is the mayor. The yeah, mayor has the spider. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's a bat bow tie for Jack. Yeah. So yeah, I think we covered Sally. I think I, I think we've said like we really liked a Yeah, lot of we've stuff kind about of gushed her. on her throughout. Um, how is a sidekick henchman? We talked a lot about just all the, the people in Halloween Town and how cool each individual person was and how they had a personality. Mm-hmm. Anybody have anything else they wanted to add to that? Or? Well, Zero, I think, is, is Jack's the sidekick. Flat- yes. Uh, and I think Zero does a good job and is looking out for him, gives him his jaw back. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I like all the other additional characters throughout. Um, One thing we didn't really talk about henchman-wise with Lock, Shock, and Barrel, like their faces are their masks. Like they're dressed up as themselves yeah. <laughs> for Halloween pretty much. Yeah. They take well, their mask off their, and it's exactly oh, the same. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's just a slightly different coloring, but yeah, they're very close to the same. Interesting point there. Uh, Locke, who's played by Danny Elfman, is a little devil who is designed as a character. So the Mystic Knights of Oingo Boingo made a movie called For the Forbidden Zone, and mm-hmm. Danny Elfman plays the devil in it. 
Uh, don't look up clips for it because I didn't. There was some blackface, and I was not a big fan oh, of that. No, so no. I was like, I was still like, this is gonna be fun, don't and it's. That. I believe it's an African American actor in blackface. Oh, which that's is even like worse. Minstrel stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I was yeah. like, oh no! Like cause I was like, oh, I'll put up a clip because it's it's Danny Elfman sings Minnie the Moocher, and I was like, oh, that'll be fun. No, Ooh, not a fan. Ouch. But yeah. D- Anyway, so Danny Elfman seems to be, the Locke seems to be designed after that devil character that Danny Elfman plays, which is kind of fun. Um, favorite musical number, guys? Oh, man. You gotta pick one. I know. Tara's- I'm always, I can Oh. You don't have to pick one, Becky. You're the guest. You can say all of them Thanks if you want. Thanks a lot. <laughs> no, because, ah. Ooh, okay. It's, it, it, okay. If I have to pick, so flip a coin between making Christmas and Jack and Jack's um oh god what's the name of the song I Jack the Pumpkin King like that moment oh yeah His realization song yes I have it as what have I've done but I think it's called Poor Jack I was trying to look at the the track listing so I'm not sure that either one of those titles is right but yeah that song when he kind of comes to realize who he is yeah the, I mean okay and also I do love Sally's song I don't like the Evanescence cover of it I thought that was hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> actually all of the the nightmare before christmas redos on like it was like the the album they released where it's like marilyn manson and evanescence and i was like oh okay let's sit down i mean it's it's very 2003 it, yes whenever it came out that is 100 percent correct it's very much like oh look let's give a love letter to all the emo and goth kids here you go and whether or not the songs were covered good, they were just like, here's, here's this album. It's a thing. The end. Yeah. But I do like Sally's song as well because we don't get to hear much from her. She might have a line or, th- or two here or there, right? We see through her actions who she is and what she's all about. But that song is so beautifully simple of just, I just want to help my friend do right. And I don't know how to make it. I don't, I don't, you know what it is? It is, it's the Jesus Christ Superstar, I Don't Know How to Love Him. Mm. It is. Do you know Jesus Christ Superstar? I don't I know do, Jesus Christ fact. Superstar. I want you guys to I listen mean, I, to I I've heard of it. I don't know this song. It is, it, it's very much Mary's song from Jesus Christ Superstar where she's like, I don't know how to love him. I don't know how to help him. I don't know how to make things better. I don't know how to stop this journey that he's on. I just know that I care very much about him and I love him and I, 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 I just want to make things better for him. And that is Sally, 100%. She's not doing anything for uh, selfish reasoning. It's it's always for the greater good, and it's always for helping helping Jack. And also, Jack, why don't you see that I love you so much? Yeah. W- which yeah. is just heartbreaking, but it's also very simple, and, and it's, it, it's, it's not over the top. It's just here's a simple song that will sum up Sally. That is, that, that's it. That's my favorite song. <laughs> I had to talk it out, but that's my favorite song. <laughs> What's yours? I want to hear yours first. I'm gonna go Oogie Boogie. I think it, I think Kidnap the Sandy Claus is a close second, and it used to be my favorite. I used to love that song. Yeah, that's it, a good but song. But I think Oogie Boogie is like that's one I'll sing in the shower. Yeah, <laughs> I I love What's This because it's Ooh. so joyful. I love that one. Like the and I love. God, it's so hard because the opening song's really good. I'm thinking of the ones I sing, like the ones that I would sing. Mm-hmm. But I also, I really like when he's, um, I think it's Jack's Lament when he's 
have when he's frustrated when like everybody has gushed over what a great Halloween it was and he's in the cemetery. Oh yeah, I really yeah. like that one a lot too. I like some of the somber, as Becky mentioned. I like some of the more that somber one feels ones the most well. personal. Yeah, yeah. Um, his that's his I want song. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, it's hard for me to pick just one. Well, I making think, Christmas. Is, is there the any song? Yeah. I think something's wrong with Jack is the only one that none of us mentioned. Yeah, so I feel like it's what unnecessary. We're saying, Something's it's, wrong with Jack? Yeah, right. obviously. <laughs> yeah. Does, this is our does it hold up questions. Uh, female character agency. I really like Sally, and I'm the dude in this in this uh, sandwich. No, that's a terrible thing. Oh, let's cut that <laughs> out. Um, I'm I'm the, I'm you know I'm a guy, so I don't exactly know. But there is a little bit. It feels like I know. Ultimately, he listens and he realizes, but it does feel like it's got kind of that like shush shush shush. <laughs> like mm-hmm. don't listen to Sally. And I yeah. think that's something we've come past in a lot of like, in my mind, a lot of horror and sci-fi, which this kind of is, but kind of isn't. But it just, that's the only thing I felt was kind of, they could use some, I, I you know, I guess they had some background characters who were ladies and one of the, the kids was, I, I don't know. I think it's pretty good, but that one thing rings kind of weird with me. Y'all are, y'all are are closer to this subject than I am. So school me. No, I would, I would agree with that. I think when he's, she's making the suit for him, she's trying to get across a point and it's, you could look at that as a lost in translation, like a miscommunication thing, but mm-hmm. it's also like, he's not taking the time to listen because he's got this yes. idea and he feels very strongly about it. Um, I don't think it's the worst depiction. We've no, no, seen no, not even by close. far. And I think she's independent in a lot of ways that I really like. Mm-hmm. I think it's still, I think that still holds up actually. And um, speaking as somebody who still works actively in fine arts, both in the educational level and also professionally, there still is a lot of shush, 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 shush. Yeah, we know you're smart. We know, we know you know things, but, and then it's on the, it's on the back end that we're, that, oh, we should have listened. Yeah, you should have been telling you from like day one. (laughs) Um, hey Becky, it ain't just fine art. <laughs> like, okay, that's good. Because like well. I'm like, ah, uh, this is literally. You'll have a full team of 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 uh, women, technical directors, set builders, designers, and they mm-hmm. will be telling a director, "Listen, we can't do da 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 da. You can't ask for that because it can't happen. You you got to look at the big picture." And they go, "No, no, no, no. I've been doing this long enough. I know what I'm saying." And I'm like, "Oh, you're gonna fail." And then yeah. when it all fails you know, I saw where you mentioned that I probably shouldn't have done this. And, and man, you were right. You're so smart. And I should have listened to that sooner. Yeah, you should have dummy. Yeah. <laughs> Learn, be different next time. And that's, I think the bigger problem. Is that <laughs> right. There's no, there's like, I, I will go on to do this again and again and again. Yes. Hard head makes a soft behind. <laughs> what? What, what? What? You've never heard that a hard head makes a soft behind. <laughs> No, I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Drinking, smoking, none of that really. Yeah. Uh, ethnic representation. I think we discussed we what we really that, liked yeah. about that, unless anybody wants to add something else to that. Mm-hmm. No. Um, and then guns and firearms. He does get shot at by cannons <laughs> well, and stuff. Well, and I would but... say, I mean, we all saw this when it we is were PG. relatively young, but I think, again, like, we do not have children, but, like, know your children. I think yeah. some of these moments could be very scary for a child. I think the Oogie Boogie scene um, with the bugs, but I also think the introduction to all the characters when they're inter- introducing how they are scary. 
Yes. Um, I think if you watch the whole movie, those characters become endearing and you start to really like care about those characters in Halloween Town. But um, I just think something to look out for. But I think that that's pretty, pretty clear from the Nightmare Before Christmas. Like I yeah, think yeah, from yeah. the title, it's pretty clear to be aware of that. I don't have kids, but I would say that this would be one of those movies that I would probably, if they are younger than maybe 10, I would watch with them instead of being like, oh, just go watch this movie on your own. So that you do have a conversation with them about, well, okay, yes, these things are scary, but sometimes scary things aren't as scary as we think they are. Sometimes they're quite nice. Mm -hmm. And yes, they do look different, but, you know, they think the same way we do. And I think it just elicits bigger conversations. So this would be this would be one of those movies that, you know, and especially if you're if your kid is growing up in Texas and they hear, well, why don't you just get a gun and shoot him? Okay, let's talk about this, right? Like, yeah. this is one of those. This is one of those movies that I probably would give it a PG if I have to think about things in that way. But again, different mm-hmm. families, different kids. Some kids get it right off the bat, and others need a little bit more help. Yeah, I uh, I don't know why I thought of this just now, but it's something I did want to talk about. There's the line in the song: "They're they're throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads." Mm. I wanted to see a headball fight. Me. Like, like, why couldn't we have seen this? I mean, we know. "Ah, Ow, ow. We know that they had severed heads. Yeah, I'm assuming it's a little shrunken heads. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I think of. Shrunken, sorry, not severed, but. So, next up, guys, we're going to rank Oogie Boogie on our infallible um, scientific villain ranking system. And I'm going to explain that to Becky, and we will be right back. All right, guys, we're back. We're all caught up. We know what we're doing. We're, we're experts. So first off is frightening. Who wants to go first? Ooh, frightening. I would say Ooga Boogie is probably a three. If it weren't, it, like, if he didn't have the day, like, ah, he's not really menacing. He's fun frightening, so he's not, like, terrifying. He's just right there in that sweet spot, I think. I'm going to agree with that. I think I was between a three or a four, and I think the things that I really like about him are what going to are what are what are going to give him a better design score. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I don't think that necessarily makes him frightening. But yeah. I, I think three is really good because I think he is kind of scary for a little kid. He's got that deep voice, but he also well, is like comes down and does a big dance for everybody. He's a <laughs> pillow. Like, so that's kind of fun. He's a pillow full of bugs. Yeah. Like I don't like bugs, so he's that's a, the frightening factor for me. He's a gross old sack. Let's not let's not Yeah. Like... He's a burlap sack of bugs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what he is. But I will say that we kind of get a hint of him with that shadow, but we don't actually meet him till very late in the film, mm-hmm. too. And I think sometimes that does villains like that helps villains be more menacing and sometimes it doesn't. And I think in his case, it kind of did him a disservice because they didn't, they didn't talk about how afraid they were of him. Everybody right. was more like afraid of Jack when you Jack also gets didn't, angry, right? You yes. also didn't know that was really him. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so I think in that way, so I'm with you on a three. I don't think okay. they, they built him up, you know, to be like menacing or super scary in a town of scary things. Right. So funny. I, so here's the thing. I want to give him a four because I laugh at him a lot. I don't know that it's necessarily he's cracking jokes, but he's like the most one of the most jovial villains. Just like I'm boogie boogie, hooray! Like, and I'm yeah. like, I'm with you. I'm with you. This sounds. I would love to be. I'm debating between a four and a five. I don't think he's he's super funny, but I do love watching him. So I'm inclined to agree with you. Like that, he's a strong four, maybe a four and a half. 
if for nothing else we than like he's so joyful like he he and not that creepy menacing like i enjoy being evil he's just full of joy like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna roll these roll these dice like i'm playing craps and i might just yeah. consume you and ain't we all having a good time oh you're not having a good time oh well i'm having a good time and that's fun to me yeah i agree what do you think so you guys are both fours yeah i'm between a th- I'm going to go with a four. I'm between a three and a four. Because like Don't you be said, swayed. he doesn't. No, I'm not being swayed. He doesn't crack jokes. I agree with everything you guys have just said. But I'm thinking like, I try not to compare to other villains. But like thinking about how you vote money qualities. Yeah. yeah. So I think I will give him a four though. Because he has this jubilant energy about him he's got like this excitement about him i don't know that that's funny though i think that's where i'm landing i think we rated captain hook high but i don't think captain hook was making jokes i guess he was doing goofy stuff i mean i genuinely laugh i think i laughed more at captain hook than i would say i'm gonna i'm gonna go with a three for oogie boogie okay depending comparing the past stuff but i, I understand why you guys rate i'm gonna stick with a four because like even thinking of him right now i'm like no super i think happy that's great it. like no, i love yeah. it i love him i feel like if oogie boogie could have backup dancers he would and that's like that level the of boogettes. joyfulness yes. yeah i'm here for it mm-hmm. so i'm gonna stay with oogie that four. boogie and the boogettes i like it it's ray charles and the raylettes yes, yes. exactly yes yeah uh-huh um fierce now i know in the past here's the thing is Ken Page gay? We've talked a lot about queer coded villains around this time. And I don't know that up, Oogie Boogie know. is necessarily queer coded, but I get that kind of like, um, that kind of similar like performance energy that I get from Ursula. Yes. Or something like that out of him. I don't know that he's at Ursula's level, but I feel I get you that kind of. what he looks like? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that I'd ever seen a picture of him. He's got he such looks, a great smile. I know. He looks really happy. Yeah. I love him. Because I've seen him, he comes up and does something on that uh, concert I was talking about, the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, okay. I think Oogie is asexual, but his vibe is big drag queen energy. Like, I I could quite honestly see um, Latrice Royale. Playing Oogie Boogie in a stick. Oh, yes. Yes. Like that mm-hmm. that very big southern, like, yes. Like, like yes. Five. Five on the fear scale for sure. You're going to have a five? All right. Five. I love it. Uh, so Wikipedia has one sentence under his personal life. And it says in 2015 interview with St. Louis Magazine, Paige said that he identifies as gay. But it's just, this is a very quick search. Yeah. A one sentence. So I don't want to... That's what I found. I just feel like this is another, like I said, uh, you know, and, uh, but I just feel like we're all very hetero here. I'd love to hear someone who maybe has a better ping on the queer coded radar. Yeah. And just, but I think you bring up a good point that he does. That's the thing is I think I was thinking of a different type of drag queen, Mm -hmm. but then like we're watching this season of, uh, drag Drag race Race, and he's kind of got Southern candy, Muse. Muse. Candy, yes. Yeah, I think Latrice Royale, I don't know that you know I don't know Latrice Royale. You know, I kind of like walk in and go, oh, what's happening? And you catch me up and I watch Yeah, Latrice Royale is like many seasons back from Drag Race. And Latrice is just this big black woman who just don't care. And fun, fun, fun. And that is the same vibe that Ken Page brings to this. Now, Mm -hmm. You know, Ken Page was 
was in uh, Cats, was in the original production of Cats. That's, oh. I knew he was a yes, Broadway he was, guy. Yes, he was Old Deuteronomy, which requires oh, okay. a, a, a good amount of swag and, and fierceness. So it makes sense okay. that that's what would be brought to Oogie Boogie. Now, why I say that Oogie Boogie himself is probably asexual because you don't see him leaning one way or the other towards someone male or female. Yeah. Um, but that 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 swag that that well well hold up he likes shimmy. that woman he likes to Tickles tickle ladies' butt. feet okay but that could just be a fetish and that's not <laughs> we're not even gonna that's go true. there I don't know that we want to go we're, down we don't, that road we don't kink kink shame kink we don't we don't kink, kink shame, shame yeah on, uh, <laughs> like that's a different discussion Princess oh, Paris I'm gonna give him a four just as a heads up I think he's really good I'm I, gonna give him a four as well but I appreciate and understand your five and love yes. it thank you but yeah I'm with you I I do think. <laughs> I think he's got this larger than life kind of personality and swag to him. So I, I love him. Now here's the one where he's going to rate pretty low for me. Okay. And that is effective. And effective is one I that we tend telling- to have a hard time talking about because it's we we try and figure out the villain's motivation and we try to figure out how well they were at achieving that motivation. I don't know. And what I'm his not sure I understand. Yeah, yeah, he just kind of wanted to toy around with Santa and Sally. Like his his motivation was just to be a heel. Yeah, I don't think he ever told us his motivation. Like yeah. his song is "I'm an Oogie Boogie Man." He just talks about like, I guess he talks about messing with people. He talks about yeah. he gambles and he cheats to get his way. But he has his guys go out and get people for him. Like I got, I've got to rate him pretty low I'm, here. I think yeah, he's effective and like, I think I'm gonna give him a two because he does kind of terrorize. Santa and Sally, but this is definitely his lowest point in mind. I'm going to give him a one because, mm, okay, so you like to terrorize people and then roll some dice and maybe eat them, but like maybe consume them, but mm, it's not really clear. He wasn't going to eat them. He was going to dump them in the the lava. Yeah, see, even then, it's not even like, like, I'm like, so? (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, like it was just yeah there's it's not like okay maleficent we know like she's mad that y'all did not invite her to that party she is petty <laughs> yeah and so she is you are gonna catch the wrath of that petty woman right like that is clear she's mad this is just kind of like oh okay so are you mad because nobody will play dice with you like are you mad because no one's gonna play craps i don't i just if they win do you let them go Maybe I mm, ah and that 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 lack of clarity for me gives him a one. I agree. I, I think that's a really good way of looking at. It. What do you yeah, think? Are you still on a two? I'm still a two because I think he held them. I, I like. So, I just like we have some really bad villains who are very yeah. ineffective, and I don't see him as a bottom rung. I see him a little bit. It's yeah. a soft two. I'm in between a one or a two because I think the other thing, I guess from Santa's perspective, Santa's been through it, but like everybody else. <laughs> Santa's perspective, everyone's the bad guy except yeah. for the, the dislocated except for Sally. Santa's yeah. done with Save every him. one of these fools. Everyone. Yeah. But, well, because the way I'm thinking of it is like him terrorizing people isn't like a big deal in Halloween Town. Yeah. Right? I feel like he's kind of like the recluse in right. Halloween Town. But they also all go, oogie boogie. So he must have some effect on them. Yeah, but it, it more seems like he's like the the hermit who, it do you sound, know what I mean? It like, sounds like you're talking yourself into a one. I think I'm, I'm going to give him a one. Because wow. to me, the rest of Halloween Town, I feel like, thinks he's like just this hermit okay. who like they never see. They see Lock, Shock, and Barrel more than they see. He's the Oogie. no account Oogie Boogie. And you normally when you think about somebody as being no account, like they don't do anything, they're worthless, they're not you know what I mean? Like that all of that all of that verbiage about them and 
you know, uh, you don't do anything. Ugh. Yeah, I get, okay, I guess you're kind of scary, but like, yeah, we just leave you out the outskirts of town. Design. I'm going to come out strong in the gate and say I'm giving him a five for design, and I'll tell you why. A couple reasons. Um, one, I think it's such a simplistic look, but it's still, it's like, it's it, he's a burlap sack. But he's also like, you can clearly see his eyes. You can clearly see his mouth. See how he's stitched? Like, he's got a very cool design there. He's got that kind of Ghostbusters ghost, like, corner thing going up here. It looks, it's it's scary. When he comes apart, him as being a thousand different bugs bugs and how much they had to put in to do. Like, they could have easily been like, let's not do that because it's going to be too hard. And they did it. The other thing I think I like about him is I love when he's the hand-drawn shadow. Because... The shadow doesn't show his eyes or mouth. So the implication is there are holes there, but they're not. Yeah. And I will, this is a little bit of a cheat, but when I was looking up Oogie Boogie's ride for that question you asked earlier, Becky, Mm -hmm. they showed some pictures of like Disney Happy Halloween that was just like his shape like that. Mm. And you immediately know that's Oogie Boogie. Like it's so, it's iconic without being like one of those. It's instantly recognizable without, it's not quite iconic. I just think it's great. So I'm giving him a full-on five for design. I think it's where he exceeds. It's where I think he does the best. Mm. I'm also going to give him a five. And it is mainly because it's the movement, right? Like, Mm. he moves like, and again, I I point back to Latrice Royale, but he moves like like a big jolly woman. Like the same way that Ursula moves with that added weight, especially when he's dancing and everything's moving and jiggling. You wouldn't know that he's made of bugs until the very end. <laughs> like, and he takes up space, right? His whole body takes up space. Mm-hmm. And had we not had that reveal of, oh, he's made of ants and, and look at his stitching coming out, the worms in his mouth, all of it. He's he's not afraid to take up space. And I think whoever created, you know, because there's always one or two designers who are actually credited with the creation and the movement of a character. Um I, I think that would have been lost. It, it, it's like his movement matches with the voice acting so well, every bit of him, that I, it's a five. It's a hard five for me. What do you think? It's a five for me as Ooh. well. Sometimes think... you give a look that I think like she doesn't like this, and you oh, just then no. you're like, oh, I'm five. Thinking. You guys are right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm thinking. But no, mm. everything you guys said, as well as the detail in the stitching of the bird, like it, the way they made him, like like you said, it could have been a very simplistic mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. But even like each thread, like not just where the sack is stitched, but like that it gave him texture. Yeah. yeah right? That, I and think I think that's texture. a really, that's really cool, yeah, yeah. cool thing, especially thinking of how they had to make him. Yeah. So go away heat. Um, this is again uh, a little bit of a hard one to describe, but it's the idea is when they're on the screen, do you want them to not be on the screen? It's it's kind of a measure of one to five how much you hate this villain, like legitimately hate them, mm-hmm. or they bother you or do something that's wrong. Ursula got a two and go away heat because she kicks a dog, <laughs> like things like that. When she's Vanessa, yeah, yeah, when she does things that you're like boo, like legitimately boo. The only thing that Oogie Boogie did that, and it's probably because he has such little screen time. The only thing that kind of bugged me, ha 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 ha, was um, when the worms came that. out of his mouth and went, and, it, yeah, the worms came out of his mouth and went into Santa's beard. But that's not enough to get him past a one to me. I think he's got one go away. Heat oh, with he's me. a one. I kind of wish he was on screen more. I, yes. I, you know, watching it this time through in the way that we watch films and under the lens of this podcast, we don't see him till long into the movie. He doesn't have a ton of screen time. 
So he doesn't I have a they... real opportunity to make me want to hate him. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I just wish we knew more about him. I feel like that's mm-hmm. why his motive wasn't, why we couldn't come up with that is because they didn't give him enough time and he didn't have enough um, presence in the story, I feel like. I so, yeah, agree. he's a one on this one. I agree. I, I want him, I want more Oogie Boogie. I want more Oogie Boogie. Yeah. And, more Oogie. More Oogie. I'm, I'm obsessed with Ursula. Like, I, she is my favorite character, hands down. I have the giant fungo Funko Pop of her. I love her so much. And she's our well, number one villain on our list. I just she's love her so much. Like I love that she's based off a of divine. I just I, you got drag yeah. queen energy. I'm here for you. And well, it was funny because when we voted on her and we got to drag queen energy, I'm like, if we do not all give her a five for drag queen for the one Disney villain based off a of drag there's queen, a problem. Queen, what have we been doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, for me, Oogie Boogie is that same energy, right? So if they've given mm-hmm. him some more screen time. Then yeah, maybe I can start to okay. He has a motive, or we get to see a little bit more about why he loves gambling so much. Like, so, I want to know more about him. So, and and there's nothing for me that he did that I was like, ew, gross. I don't want to see. Like, I was like, oh, Halloween Town worms, of course, makes sense. I looked up a picture of Latrice Royale, and the picture I saw was her doing that. Like, get those ne- uh-huh. get those uh-huh. nuts like, across my oh, yeah, face, okay. like that sense. thing that she says. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's great. Um, so the opposite of go away heat is yes factor. It's how much you are excited to see Oogie Boogie, how, how into him you were before you started the movie. And then as you were watching it, how into him you were, what do you guys got? Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm between a four <laughs> and a five. Yeah. Okay. Where, where do you guys land on that? At, at, for me, at least a four, at least a four. I, I, I just want more of him. I just want more. I want the jet. I want, I want that, that. Big trumpet, uh, big trumpet, big clarinet, like musical swag that he's got. I want, I want more oogie boogie always on the screen. Um, I'm gonna put you for a four. If you want to bump it up to a five, let me know. Mm, oh, five. You, just, you can think about. You can, oh, that was well. That was. I'll give it a five. <laughs> okay, Tara. I'm gonna give him a four. Okay. Because I was pretty excited to see him, and I do like him a lot. I'm going to, there's two things that are about to happen. One of them is that I'm going to give him a five because I did not, I kind of forgot how much I love this character. Yeah, you do like him a lot. And I'm willing to make a declaration here on, on things. I think Iggy Boogie may be my new favorite Disney villain. Wow. Like I, that's a big like I, step. I, I well, loved Gaston for so spoiler, long. Spoiler, yeah, our Beauty and the Beast episode, Ryan kind of comes to terms with Gaston isn't as as he once thought no i want to punch gaston in the face every time i see him i just want to punch him in the face that makes a good villain sometimes but i think after watching jafar and i think last week jafar was my favorite disney villain and And now now oogie Oogie has let's let's say it's a tie right now between jafar and oogie are my two favorites like jafar your 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 evil gay uncle is amazing (laughs) but that's a hundred percent (laughs) accurate Let me check out the score. Ooh, 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 Where does he land? Interesting. I well, I see. Oh, not as high as I thought he did, but still pretty high. See, I think he's. I think he's better than where he is. Okay. Well, I think. He? I think his his lack of he has a twenty three. Okay. Let me double check. I think that's correct. Yes. His he has lack a, of a motive is what hurt. His him. lack of a motive really hurt him, but it puts him at uh, number fourteen. Okay, so who's around him in there? Uh, he is one above Lady Tremaine from Cinderella. Ooh. Okay. And one below Radigan 
from oh, uh, mm. The Great Mouse Detective. Lat Radigan has a 23.3, and Lady Tremaine has a 22.5. Mm. Wow. So there we go, guys. Uh, thank you so much, Becky, for uh, joining us on this on this wonderful adventure. Oh, thank you for having me. This is a blast. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. And you'll be back for Princess and the Frog, correct? I have so much on Princess and the Frog. I know. It's ridiculous. I'm so excited. Yeah. I know. Really you started kind of like forward. teasing it, and I was like, oh, man, I can't wait. Yeah, we're <laughs> really looking forward to that movie in general, and we're really excited to have you to be a part of it. I am excited that you asked me because I've done an entire lesson with my students on the Princess and the Frog, and it's, it's, it is real in the field with that movie. <laughs> okay. Um, I haven't heard real in the field. I like that a lot. Uh, we ask our guests to, if they want to plug something, whether it's a personal project or it's, you know, something you, some media you've been enjoying during the quarantine you want to plug or just a general sentiment you want to get out there in the world, plug away. Well, um, as, as things start to open back up and theaters start to open back up, I right now don't have a, well, I, I'm not going to plug any personal projects for that just yet because I feel like they'll do what they need to do. But I will say this, um, People be safe as we start to open back up and you start to do stuff. Be patient, be safe, and uh, be kind. Those are those are my 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 big sentiments as we we move forward and before I come back again for Princess and the Frog. Yes. Yeah. So, guys, our next our next movie is The Lion King with another special guest. Um, we are gonna go practice uh, screaming in uh, whatever language that is at the beginning. Swahili. Swahili. I thought that was Swahili. We're gonna practice screaming in Swahili so we can our best Swahili so we can start it off right with that that intro. Oh, it's the best part of the whole movie. I I mean the whole movie. The whole movie's very good, but I just like ha like I don't want to screw it up, but I'm (laughs) so excited to see it. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today, and we will see you next time. All right. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is, too, at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Thank you.